Steve Mannion here, writer and creator of this smash comic, Fearless Dawn, and you're listening to an 11 o'clock comics. <laughs> Absolutely astounding. Got it, one. Yep. First time, every time. Chuckle, chuckle. Inside joke, haha. Yep. That's fun, though. Inside jokes are fun to the people that we let inside the jokes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Because the average listener is like, WTF? I don't get it. It's just (laughs) strange. But we tell you every week how you can understand. Inside jokes. Refuse. You refuse. I would keep me going from one convention to the next because I just keep repeating in my head the inside jokes that we've all that 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 we've done the previous weekend. My pen. (laughs) (laughs) Hey everybody. A little bit of levity before we get into the dark and gloomy. It's eleven o'clock comics, episode eight hundred and twelve, and I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Yes, you are, and I'm Jimmy McGill. <laughs> Why are you Jimmy McGill? What? Why are you Jimmy McGill? What do you mean? That's because that's who I am. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> like, you what? can't just pick a person and say it's because I am. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, 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 you're showing your ass here that you're an uncultured uh, savage because. Anyone listening knows who Jimmy McGill is if they've watched Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad. That's true. Oh, see, I haven't seen Saul, but yeah. I don't have instant character Saul names. Goodman is Jimmy, Jimmy, Saul Goodman's Christian name is Jimmy McGill. Oh, yep. well, I, okay. I love he Breaking does, Bad. DBA as Saul Goodman is in. It's all good, Saul Goodman. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Excellent. But you're not Jimmy McGill. Uncultured savage. I love that. <laughs> You're Jason Wood, everybody. Here to Yes. On this, our Book of the Month episode, which we will be focusing on, Sin City. Well, actually, it's called Frank Miller's Sin City, Volume 1, The Hard Goodbye. And, it's, and it well, didn't used to be called that. No, <laughs> this no. is, I mean, it's, this is basically Episode 4, A New Hope, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and Batman... The Dark Knight, because that was what it was originally called, and then over the years it just became The Dark Knight Returns. But yes, this was Sin City, as is serialized in Dark Horse Presents, and eventually we got multiple volumes, and this first story was given a name. It was. Yep. And uh, it's kind of hard to um, open the door to potential patrons. As we do, uh, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics, one, one, no apostrophe. And we like to lay out the, the cards on the table and then we read your fortune. The fortune's all good because you get audio, video, polls, images, um, many, many things a, a month. But what one of the little perks is that typically, if you're a patron, you get to throw your hat into the ring as to what we should read for our Book of the Month episode, uh, which does not apply to this episode because we just picked this one. Well... Because uh, it was getting long in the tooth in the month, and then we were just like, well, what do we do? We'll just pick one. My... The the way it 
plays out in my head is which things August, are very very different in his head. Just they can be. That. They they but, are. <laughs> but Vince's birthday mm. is in August, and um, I didn't have one this I, year. Right. Yep. Tree falls which, in the woods and nobody hears I, it. Tree doesn't fall. And I, it's I was one hundred percent gutted over over the laps there because I didn't think you were really going to be checking the slack uh, but, but you're while not, in Mexico. You're not the only one. Someone else I, no, didn't no, tell. No, me. I thought it doesn't yeah. matter. Mm. Mm. And yeah, I just my my favorite person on the surface of the planet didn't even tell me. It was an us, right? Yeah. Oh, you well, mean it's not us though, right? Well, it's not. It's cousin? <laughs> no, Mike. I just was like, no, he just forgot Wait, about it. Mike, wow. Yeah, you so know, I'm just like, I, I got it. You know, I mean, I know that you're not trying to be hurtful, but I think I'm, I'm crying a little to think that Mike is, is over adapting. That hurts. <laughs> it's just, it is. I've, no, I, I came to terms with it years ago. It is what it is. It just, he's he's known him. Like Craig, Craig Kennedy's my boy, but he's on equal footing with y'all. I've like, grown oh, up oh. with, well, okay, he's he's my, my he's one now, of. You don't have to defend it. Oh, no, it, no, because you're right. You're right. Even though I. I basically grew up with the guy. I worked with him for a number of years. See I a hell of a lot more often than you. See I us. spend more time with him per week oh, than I do in in the, the the short time that we're together. Um, but you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. He he. I should I should rephrase it. He is one of my three favorite people on the planet. Oh, there we go. Because that I didn't mean to be hurtful, but I could cons- I can see how that could be mistranslated or or construed but to be like you're you're cool. below. Yeah. It's on good. In you, any event, but you forgot it was, to. So f you. It was. It was. It's his birthday. He uh, and I try to. I. I. I figure you know for our birthdays we should kind of maybe you know talk about something we want to talk about. But um, it, it was it, it was your birthday. You mentioned Sin City uh, recently, and I figured yes, it was getting late in the month. We didn't. Uh, we didn't look at the spreadsheet. I didn't put a new form up. Thinking that you know you'd be fine, I was I was kind of hoping you were going to say, uh, "Let's just do Sin City," and and obviously it, it worked out that way. But yeah, it was there was no there was no informal gathering to uh, discuss it amongst the patrons right. as to what we should discuss this month. But there will be this coming there, month. Yeah, maybe into September. There will be, and lest chief forget the dedicated Slack channel. That's where all the hubbub is. We, we gather each and every day, 24-7, talk about anything that comes into mind. It's a lot of comics, but it's not exclusive to comics. We do music and movies and TV and... And life, dude. And we, we some real, we, real yes. talk about life. Yeah, we, we, we pick each other up when we need it, and we dust each other off, and it's great. So if you would like to be... Uh, and we, I think we just recently uh, have two patrons that need a shout out, don't we, David? Uh, well, Neil Bevins has been a um, he's he's on the Slack, um, but yes, we did get the email about uh, about his patronage. Uh, so shout out to Neil and shout out to Alex Eklund who uh, who joined us earlier in the week, late uh, over the weekend or, or uh, yeah over the weekend and and. Uh, Came barging onto the Slack early this week, and uh, he's he's been contributing, and I'm I'm, nice. I'm happy to see it. Yeah, yeah, I've been a little um, absent from the Slack this week, only because it's a very big week work wise. But I'm gonna jump back in. So yes, if you would like to uh, put your finger in the in the dike 
uh, that's weird. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com <laughs> slash 11 o'clock comics. Check it out. The monkey room. Yes. That was a great part of the old bullpen bulletins forum was the monkey room. Shit that went on in there. Travis Equinox. Equinox Yeah. I were up in there all the time. The shit that went on in there. And you, I mean, some people were posting like, woo, like nasty, nasty stuff. Yeah, there was some, there was some realness in there. Yeah, it was good. It was wonderful. That's why I think we should have a monkey room on Slack. Only, you know, you got to give a heads up. NS. NSFW monkey room because there was some I would read it at work and you yeah. know who knows who's coming in the room you don't know you don't know so uh, let's reiterate this is our book of the month episode since Frank Miller's Sin City Volume One the hard goodbye written and illustrated by Frank Miller as David already informed you but I'll be a little bit more specific it yes. was originally serialized in the pages of Dark Horse Presents numbers yeah. 51 to 62 and then it leapt into that giant 5th anniversary special where Frank did the cover and it I mean that's one of my all time favorite issues of Dark Horse Presents was that 5th anniversary special and I don't know if it's still a tough uh, pick up, but back in the day, that was going for a good amount of money. As and like mm-hmm. I said, whatever it is today, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Jason, oh wait, it is Sin mm-hmm. City. We have to do the our due diligence. What are we drinking? Ooh, yeah. Uh, well, in honor of it, uh, of this being a book of the month, I was very much excited to be a part of, especially because we're celebrating our boy's birthday just a few weeks late. Oh, my God. Um, oh, please. Mm. You brought it up, not me. I did uh, not. I am drinking, uh, I'm drinking some, some, you know, trying to fight the end of the summer. So I'm drinking some Claw, y'all. little White Claw Surf Watermelon Lime Smash. You, you realize you that Marv, Marv would punch would you in the face. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, an honor of Yeah. Well, well, I'm drinking good old American Swill in honor of. I was going to go with some Maker's Mark because I wanted uh-huh. to bring whiskey, something a little harder to, uh-huh. to the bar, but I didn't have time to go get some. So I'm just drinking, like I said, it's Swill and it's semi tasty Swill, America. So. It's it's not uh, unique to Pennsylvania, but it's big in Pennsylvania. So, uh-huh. yeah. So uh, Confederate flags, by the way. Oh. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. What are you drinking? Um, I was just going to have um, straight whiskey, but um, I really. I decided that yes, there is whiskey in this. Uh, Marv probably wouldn't be ordering this anytime soon, but um, I just do enjoy it. It's one of my favorite cocktails. I am, and I'm, I'm having a whiskey sour. Nice. There you go. Elevate. You can always count on Dap to bring us up. That's right. Don't hate elevate. That's one of my favorite things. That's right. Yep. Now, Jason. Do what you got to do. Yes. So, I mean, this came out a long-ass time ago. And uh, so, Vince, when uh, when did you first experience the glory that is Sin City? My dude, I bought mm-hmm. these off the rack. 
I'm was sure uh, you did. I was an avid uh, reader of Dark Horse Presents. This yes. was just um, the icing on the cake. I would have bought an issue of Dark Horse, Dark Horse Presents, whether or not Frank was in it. Uh, but the fact that Frank chose to associate himself with Dark Horse was one of the best things from this period. Now, this came out in 91. Yep. And um, we'll get to it. But um, I think you got to frame what Frank was doing around this time. And it, it'll become clearer. But let's hear Dapp's history with um, Sin City. Oh, as it was, you know, in, in Dark Horse Presents, as it was coming out, um, bought, bought it. I may not have, I probably picked up a couple of issues prior to the start of, of the Sin City serial. But once that was, and I would I would go back and forth, whether depending on what else was going on in the anthology or maybe what was on the cover. But uh, I didn't buy it every month. But once I saw Frank and Sin City, I uh, I was on it until until the story wrapped up. I'm pretty sure I continued with the ongoing um, for a couple months after that. But uh, but yeah, no, definitely as uh, as it was coming out, no doubt. And I remember vividly that it was quite the topic of conversation at the comic shop as it was coming out because. Everyone knew Frank as the daredevil guy, right? And and that's um, how we have to frame it. Frank had just finished. The dust didn't even settle on Electra Lives Again, which was an oddity of sorts because if you put Electra Lives Again and Sin City next to each other, Frank took, well, he uh, capitalized on the amazing color ability of his then companion, Lynn Varley, right? But the rendering was a big departure from Daredevil and Dark Knight Returns. There's some of it in Dark Knight Returns, a little bit. You can see Frank playing around with the line work in Dark Knight Returns, but the line became really gritty and then... Sin City is essentially, at least the hard goodbye, is essentially Electra lives again without the color and more concentration on chiaroscuro, the the brightest brights and the darkest darks juxtaposed. Um, it's it's like he felt, well, you know, I don't, I don't know what he felt, but I'm assuming that, um, one, he utilized the black and white format to better telegraph the the noir aspect of the story he was working on and two uh jettison the color because maybe stuff was going on behind the scenes that he didn't want to rely on lynn anymore i don't know but as we can as we see historically that relationship didn't work out right whatever the case but uh, frank actually swipes from himself in sin city there's one scene that is lifted almost, I mean, the architecture is different, but the, the scene in, in Electra Lives Again where Matt wakes up in, from the bed and he walks down the staircase, he just reversed it for Sin City where the cops are coming in and they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're coming after Marv. It's the same bird's eye down view perspective, not as uh, harsh. Like in, in uh, Electra Lives Again, you see all the way down to the floor. 
but in in Sin City, it's it's not as extreme, but it's the same concept. And he's just like, well, I guess it worked for me in Electra Lives Again. Why wouldn't it work for me in Sin City? And it did. It worked really well. But um, I, I don't think an artist should be above swiping from themselves. If something works. 100%. And, it, and it's got your thumbprint on it. Like, I mean, there's many artists that have done Bird's Eye View down a winding staircase. But Frank is Frank. And it was very unique and idiosyncratic. And it, you could tell that it was Miller's. But so why not? If, if the shtick worked it killed him in Poughkeepsie. It's going to kill them in Boston. Right? <laughs> well, uh, no surprise to either of you, because, you know, I didn't read the Dark Horse Presents back then. Um, my first experience with this came later. Uh, and it was either 2010 or 2011. Wow. And I know it's those years because in 2005, they put out two uh, beautiful slipcased versions that were a total of it was eight books it was the seven stories and then uh like some bonus material um the frank miller library editions set one and two wow and uh and, and they came out in 20, 2005 but i bought them at a uh t-fall nick and dent sale <laughs> yeah <laughs> that that just brings back a lot of good memories. yeah mm-hmm. so yeah so i bought them all like because i'm like oh you know i've always heard so much about sin city haven't read it and um and, and i and i i read i read pretty much the entirety of sin city uh shortly thereafter so uh and i hadn't really thought about it since so it's it's been about 10 years since i since wow. i read it but uh yeah yeah, you triggered memories with that T-Faw because I, I can remember ordering the books while at work. And I would order, like, because they were dirt cheap. And and when they said Nick oh, and yeah, Dent... Oh, yeah, when they have those, those Nick and Dents, you could get, like, Omniboo for, like, five bucks and They Well, you're being... You're being well, no, because they would go really quick. Like, yeah. like, there'd be, like, one copy, and if you got it, you got it, but yeah. Right, but their Nick and Dent wasn't Nick and Dent at all. Like, Nick, there was no. nothing wrong with the books. To this day, I couldn't tell you why these two volumes were Nick and Dent. Like, I, I don't... I I assume there's, like, a slight indentation on the slipcase in the corner from, like, probably, like, getting banged around when it was shipped originally, right. yeah. but, like... The, the the volumes themselves are perfect like pristine so yeah one of the uh the I, some of the fun stuff with the tfaw sales is that like they every day like especially during christmas the discounts would be a little greater but oh yeah so 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 the idea was you can you can hedge your bets you could try you can hope that you know that on the bus is going to last they'll have it still available when they hit like you know 75 80 90 percent that's off. right yeah or yep. by now is you at, at, at 25 or 30 percent off yep. not as great discount but at least you're guaranteed to get it and yep. and a lot of people were like oh just missed it they just sold out it's like yeah well you Big know facts. yeah i would never do that um i would to a point like i would let it go for from 40 to like 50 but uh-huh. after fifty, I I wouldn't yeah. wait because I'm thinking I'm getting this thing for half off. I might as well just right. buy it, right? I think but, that's how m- most of the people went. Because by the time it was like on the 80 percent days, it was the dregs. Yeah, the <laughs> but 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 honestly, the thing that I would do is I'd order a couple hundred dollars worth of books at like say you know two o'clock in the afternoon, 
And then I'd get home, I'd be like, ah, let's see what else they got. Like I would order another oh, yeah. box. And then once it, the discounts crept up to like 70, 80%, I'd be like, well, you know, I always wanted to try this. And I would order Absolutely. another box. And I would ha- be, I would have TFA boxes coming like, like a long chain of deliveries. Like, wow. Th- those, yeah. they were fun days. They really were. Oh, 100%. I mean, we're not even, we're glossing over the fact that obviously this company lost money on these things, but <laughs> whatevs, we got them cheap. Uh, that's, it's, it's malicious, I'm sorry, but uh, we, are, we are consumers, right? That's right. So let's get into it, my boys. Before we, was this the, like, because I, I don't know, I mean, I know you both said you were reading it off the shelf, but but is that the last time you read it or had you revisited it? Um, no, I read it um, every couple of years. I like to read yeah, it. Yeah, oh, okay. Not not every year, but I've. I mean, I've. Yeah, I'll um, either because I have. I I have the first edition trade that they released in '92, so right. um, I think it's thirty years old, and um, and I have. I I bought um, Miller's. The, the Sin City Library on when, when Dark Horse Digital had like a massive sale on a lot of their digital shit. So Sin City, Hellboy, I bought a bunch of things on the cheap. So um, if I'm in the mood, I'll I'll um, I'll reread it every so often. I probably have read it as often as uh, as I revisit um, Mage or, or Batman Grand. Yeah, See, right. now that's interesting because there are not many things that multiple of us reread on the regular right this is a good good topic because i was just going to say that frank is one of the very few comics creators that i will revisit over and over and over again um you guys know me best my favorite era of Mm spider-man is jerry conway and ross andrew right i've probably read that run maybe twice and that's wow, okay. that's my that's my my shining spot in amazing right but i i can't tell you how many times i've read uh frank stuff yeah so, so, it well, doesn't yeah, get old I mean, and it's same thing with born again yes yeah, yeah thing. i mean yes yeah. and i know that we've we've revisited dark knight returns since we've done this show but i haven't read that as often as maybe i've read since i've read it a bunch of times i've probably read sin city a little more um you but know, yeah i just and it's always the first volume i have read the the sequels but um not all of them i i, I don't think i've read the last couple but uh the first book i'll go back and, and reread every so often and 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 I'll usually see something that I obviously saw before but it just hits me a little harder it just sticks with me a little differently and um and I also will probably read it if I ever come across any scenes from the movie just so that I can kind of wash that out of my head and just go back to the source material I didn't think the movie was horrible the movie isn't horrible but just like 300 if it it's it's neat to see an actual comic book become storyboards come to life it's just it is it's it's i mean yes sin city the sin city moves a little different because it's a amalgamation of a bunch of 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 the 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 sin city volumes running concurrently so it's not just a straight here's marv's story um it's marv's story and they're dispersed with Hardigan and everything else going on but um whereas 300 is pretty much just lifted from the pages but sin city is 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 visually interesting um but i much prefer 
and and the spirit attests to this. I much prefer Frank Miller, the comic book creator, than I do the filmmaker. Interesting. I mean, it's it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't prospect. When you adapt um, a work of sequential art that is so eye-searingly unique and strong, mm-hmm. um, and we'll get into it, the things that Frank brought to the table here, the visual flourishes, he basically put his thumbprint on them as he was doing them. There are other guys that have manipulated light and shadow for decades and and since day one in 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 art but frank manipulated them in a way that was so unique and became not only um a trademark of the story it it it, it's ingrained in in the story you can't have these sequences play out without the light and the shadow right so of course the movie's going to look exactly like the comics what else do you do the visuals are so strong that the story's not going to survive on just the story itself. It's it's a right. right. It's a guy avenging the murder of a of a high priced call girl, right? And then oh yes, dirty things open up and you see the worm in the in the apple and everybody's corrupt and we get it. But there's been a million stories like that. The thing that makes Sin City unique is the visual approach Frank took to it because he's a visual storyteller. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, in revisiting this. Uh, first of all, I just adored rereading it. Um, I just thought it was phenomenal. Uh, but with that said, I mean, I think you just hit on it. I, I think Frank, and, you know, I know he's, you know, on your all-time list, uh, so but maybe beyond criticism. But I, I don't, you know, I I don't think Frank is a, is a, is a great writer. I think he's a, a good writer at times, but I think when... He's writing stuff that he's also drawing. It's it's magic because of the drawing. I, I, I think that's, and I felt the same reading this. I you know there were there were moments of dialogue that were just like incredibly cringe, but but it didn't really matter to me because the story and the emotional beats of the story just come through in such an incredibly powerful way because of the way he 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 rendered the story. It just it didn't matter to me. Okay. <laughs> I know. God, we <laughs> some constructive criticism at that. Uh, but see, I, I, I obviously don't agree. I, I think if you're, um, it's a complete package, right? The the aesthetic, uh, the visual aesthetic spills over into the narrative, right? If if your visual aesthetic is the darkest darks and the lightest lights, you you have extremes, right? There's no gray in Sin City. So your dialogue should either be subtle or nuanced or completely over the top, right? So I don't think subtle would work in an environment like this. So Frank jacked it up to 11 with the the, the dialogue. Like, you know, oh, you dirty skis, you, you know, like that kind of stuff. Uh, you killed my brother. Like, it, it it's it's part and parcel of this environment in which he created. You can't just do average... Um, pick a pick a great writer who a writer who writes great dialogue, right? And and if if it's you can tell there's there's poetry in the in the in the passage, like that's poetry's not going to work for Sin City. You can get poetic, but it has to be gutter poets, right? It has to be the the language of the streets used in a way that um is is subtly nuanced. 
he's as he's writing the dialogue i don't think frank did what other guys do and they say it out loud as they're writing it he's just playing that old mickey spillane um you know teletype or newsreel whatever they used to call those those things where it it's it's earthy right so yeah, that's, I totally agree. Some of the dialogue is 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 cringy, but I think it's it was done intentionally. I think Frank knew exactly what he was doing, as he has with every project that he's ever worked on. He knows exactly <laughs> I mean, what we'll he's never doing. No, because no, he's I'm not. He doesn't speak anymore. But but uh, but yes, uh, I'm with you. I, I, the point that I, I don't want like the point is is regardless of whether I thought some of the dialogue was cringe rereading, it was still awesome. Just like when I reread, you know, comics from the seventies and eighties that I adore, uh, a lot of times their the dialogue is cringy for lots of different yeah, reasons. It's, yeah. it's just some some things don't quite. You ever if you ever on an escalator and uh, at the mall and like the uh, the handrail is just kind of a little off track. So if you have your hand on it, like it's moving a little bit slower than yeah, the stairs. Yeah. That's that's kind of like what I feel sometimes about reading dated dialogue. It doesn't quite keep up. Whereas the visuals are are timeless, you know. Yeah, I'll give you that. But um, I have to be completely honest. Coming to the table with something from Frank Miller, I'm I'm not gonna budge an inch below genius, right? That's not my way. When I, like, Frank could have drawn a, a couple panels with guys with dicks on their forehead, I'd be like, that is fucking brilliant because <laughs> because it's Frank, right? <laughs> And and uh, there there's only one level of of perception when it comes to Frank Miller, and and I think the guy is he walks on water as far as comics go. I'm not talking about personal life or, um, yeah. you know, flinging sharpies into a live audience. I, whatever. But um, he he is. You got to be honest, uh, or or upfront when it comes to Frank Miller. The guy came to comics. And transform them forever. Definitely, I was going to say. I mean, if you think about, we talk often about the the the, the people that were tent poles and 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 how schools of, of of creators came from from those tent poles. You know, obviously, we when we eulogize Neil Adams, we talked about that, and you know, we talked about more modern influences like that. But but yeah, no, I I think no matter what anyone may think of an individual Frank Miller work or 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 what have you, I, I, I kind of, you know, I don't put Frank in the same category as Alan Moore personally, but I kind of view it in the same way like you were saying last week about, like, but I'm going to side eye anyone that tries to besmirch Frank Miller's, like, in, in his his career in, in total, right? Like, exactly. I, I, yeah. I think if you, I mean, Dap and I even give you some shit sometimes, I, I don't, I do think there are some things that Frank has done that, that I, I do not think are all that up my alley, but, but, but I think you can't look at, if you, you cannot profess to be a comic book fan and, and, and and one who at least cares about the the evolution and the the history of it, and not and not pay homage to the guy and throw 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 us on us. I mean, the, I mean, you know, there there are an entire school of stories that have come from over the last twenty five years that are uh, you know blatant attempts to either, if you're being generous, pay honor to, or if you're being critical, um, rip off his his way of making comics. Yeah, yeah, I know uh, to which you were referring. And I still think it's a great piece of work. 
But uh, I, I, I mean, I, again, listen, I don't want to turn this into a lift bash. I mean, there are more than one. There is more than one thing that Frank has done that I don't think is great. But 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 again, the stuff he has done is all time great. Yes. So it doesn't matter. But, but again, with Frank, he utilizes art uh, in a way that uh, purges. Right, he gets rid of demons as one should when when creating. Right, use the whatever medium uh, in which you're working to to process whatever it is you got going on. That's what makes great art, right? And yes, um, there are there are uh, more than one hateful um, things within the pages of that hardcover landscape format. Um, was originally a Batman and Catwoman story, but um, that's mm-hmm. that's just Frank working through, feeling some kind of way. Like he he was angry, as a lot of people were. And I mean, I was really thinking of, of yes, he was thinking of DK too. too. <laughs> oh, I mean, but okay, uh, it's not. See, you're just being ridiculous. You're being hateful. No, I, I knew exactly what Jason was referring to, and <laughs> and and I know that it's it's. It, when it's phrased like that, it can be vague enough where Vince would think it, it, you're referring to Holy Terror. But the because of things like Holy Terror and interviews that he did uh, regarding politics and, and, and the state of the country, it, a younger reader, somebody would listen. I would think that as I was rereading this, there are things that either I just blocked out or forgot on... Um, you read it the first time, and and you know you're rooting for Marv. He's you know he's he's trying to he's out for revenge and justice, and, and he's trying to do the right thing. But he's definitely from a different era in the way he thinks and the things he says, and he's 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 he kind of skirts that line where it's like you kind of cringe if you were to, you know if you were sitting next to him at a bar and and he starts talking like this, he really probably wouldn't want to be somebody you'd want to hang out with but he really does um for the most part has has a heart of gold and and he just he doesn't and i mean he's hates bullies doesn't like seeing dames get roughed up and he's calling them dames and it's like you know it's but so part of me is wondering i mean if if this was years ago and i i, I was rereading it for the first time and i'd be wondering how much of marv is frank how much how much of himself did he put in Marv, but I don't. I but then, and we've we, we've had this discussion where you know you have you'll have people like you know Jeff Johns or Bendis or Snyder. Oh, they're right characters, and they're like, oh, this must be how they, he really thinks. It's like, well, why would you just single out this one particular character who's a shitty person? That that's who you think the writer actually is, instead of all these other characters who actually are good and and try to do the right. Why wouldn't that be the writer? Like why? So I don't think I honestly do not think that Frank whatever Frank was feeling at the time, like he wasn't speaking through Marv. It was just that that's Marv's character. I think that now I don't, I'm sure somebody may be reading it for the first time who just knows Frank based on Frank's more recent, um, works may think that, uh, Frank might not be, um, a great guy. I don't believe that. Again. Right. Um, I think the people that perceive, characters as mouthpieces for the authors mm-hmm. are, are not parsing the art on uh, the the art meaning the story the art whatever they're not parsing the work on its own terms they're they're doing what people have done for eons 
They're attributing something to the creator that they may not have intended. I could write a story about the most racist motherfucker on the planet and you get a, a creative individual gets into the story you get into the the mindset of your characters doesn't mean you are your characters no mm-hmm. i'm 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 not racist holy you guys know this but if i were to write a story about a racist individual it would be very convincing right because you do your homework you get into the work you you get your hands dirty and people translate as that being you know you're on your you're on your your soapbox yeah. you're you're preaching that's not the case you have to parse the art in brackets you start at the first page you end at the last page and you process what comes between yes we are very willing and guilty of assessing the personal lives of these creators we love so much and trying to ferret out details within the work that could apply to their personal lives but that's just you know armchair quarterback we're just having fun we don't know for sure and we never will know for sure and and i always tell my students i pound this into them you will not be able to whisper into the ear for every viewer whose eyes fall on your work you're not gonna be able to tell them this is what i meant like you're non-existent all they see is the work so either you judge the work as the work or you go around looking like a dumbass saying that, you know, uh, creator X is a racist slob because he has somebody in his books that are racist. Like it just doesn't I, – I, I don't mean to be mean, but I don't think it's – it comes from people who aren't used to um, digesting creativity on its own terms. They just – it's alien to them. Like if I told my wife, you know, listen to this song, tell me what you think – she would approach it as would everybody else, well, most people. And if, if the song was racially charged, she said that that person singing is a racist. Like, no, he's not. It's a character. Like, Ice-T found it very hard to get out from under this rock. With, yeah. with um, uh, what was the name of the band? Body Bags. Body Bags. Yeah, like, fuck the police, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, yes. Cop killer, yeah. Cop killer. Some, right. Some of it was generated by the the eons of of uh injustice attributed to uh people of his color he's angry of course he's angry but nobody got on the punk bands and 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 who were primarily white i'm going down a a weird hole i'm sorry Uh, it's body count body count count. you know going you know all, all the punk bands all the brits and 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 then it spilled over into america those kids were angry and they were you know kill reagan whatever you just have to take the work as it stands, and right. and, and slice baggage to it, slice Unless it apart. Biographical well, work. I mean, you know, yeah, right. I mean, I feel like we've had this conversation a lot. Like, yep. I have no problem with someone bringing their baggage to it, but just that's them. Like, I'm, I yeah. try not to, but like, I don't like. Everyone has the right to bring whatever they want to their interpretation of the story. It it doesn't doesn't invalidate the way they accept it. I just, but it's just, I just for me, it's not a very productive way to, I think, fully enjoy or appreciate a work. But right. Uh, I mean, but it's it, also, sometimes it's hard, though. I mean, again, like, I mean, listen, I mean, we can sit here and say all this, but how many times have we, I mean, especially staff and I, not not given time of day to someone if we find that there's comic theater, right? I mean, it's like, nah, dude, okay. Cool. Like, it could be the most badass. They could, take, they could make the most badass comic ever next year, and uh, I, I'm not reading it. Listen, I'm damn but, sure not going to talk about it on the show. Right, so. but you, you guys are willing to at least walk into the room, listen to the conversation. If it's not for you, you'll walk out, Right. I mean, sure. that, the, but, I mean, I think people would be the same here, right? I mean, if they read it, it's, 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 
like they've, they've walked in the door. They've given it a try. And exactly. You know. And if it, it I, I think knowing that these people are comic skaters, this is this is one of the problems I have with creating for a living. If 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 you uh, your your um, wherewithal comes from producing whatever music, movies, TV, art, uh, visual art, comics, and you have an extreme uh, viewpoint on anything that is is the chances are very good that it will not float well with your audience, like in social media and stuff. Shut your fucking mouth. Right, if if being a comic skater means so much to you that you would sacrifice a large percentage of your potential income just to wave that flag, you're an idiot, <laughs> right? No, seriously. Um, you know, I, I'm I I'm a proponent for Nambla, and I just created this comic. Would you read it? Like, no, who the hell's going to read that, right? If you are, if you do have an extreme viewpoint, shut your freaking mouth and see what happens. Like, just create your art. Hey, this is me. I'm Joe Blow. I got this comic. Check it out. I hope you love it. Maybe some people will love it. Uh, if they eventually find out that you're, you know, Nambla, then okay, you're, you're, you're pretty much done. But I don't get how these, these semi-famous and famous people get on the socials and they're just, they, they spout these diatribes and then they lose money. Like, you are losing money for every letter you type. That is so silly to me. Shut your mouth and create. Whatever. But Frank is guilty of that, right? Frank has said some weird off kilter <laughs> things in the in yeah. the past. And we're sure. still, we're still here um championing championing his work. Uh so, yeah, we're we're getting on tangents because um let's be honest. The the story uh within the hard goodbye is not that complex right no no it's really not and but all the best i think noir they're pretty simple i mean they they the threads could get a little tangled midpoint but they all unravel towards the end right uh easily digested but um the the gist is uh marv a huge hulking Seven not foot. not so attractive man who um it's to which it's alluded uh that maybe was abused uh as a child it doesn't it's not specific it could have been physical it could have been emotional um didn't have a great childhood right and he's psychotic and 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 he needs medication to maintain a baseline in his well more than that he's psychotic he he sees things and hears things if he's not on his meds well, I, I don't. Okay, that's been discussed. For, that he is yes. absolutely psychotic. Yeah. Yes, he is. He is. Um, and it doesn't help that um, he finds himself uh, in the lip lock with a absolutely gorgeous woman named Goldie, a woman that is far out of his league. And and Marv even says somewhere uh, in in the, in the narrative that. Um, I don't want to spill the beans before we get to it, but he's talking to a group of women, let's just say. And he's like, you dames would never even give me a look. And this angel descended from heaven and decided that I was good enough for her to spend the night with. And uh, Marv is just, and he's, he's he's in the clinch with her, with Goldie, and they're, they're 
having relations and he's just wondering like how the hell did i get so lucky this is i'm not going to question it i'm here i'm gonna make the best of it and they have a night um they uh drink too much as people in sin city do and when marv wakes up the next day the angel's dead in his bed heart-shaped bed which is beautiful thank you frank (laughs) um Goldie's dead, and there's not a mark on her. There, there, she wasn't strangled. She wasn't stabbed. She wasn't shot. There, there's no discernible method of ending her life. So Mars like, shit, well, uh, I guess I'm fucked because no one's ever going to believe that I didn't kill her. Meanwhile, he hears footsteps, and this is the scene to which I was referring from Electra Lives Again um, when Matt descended the staircase in Sin City, the cops ascend the staircase and they they break in on marv and marv does what marv is very good at and that is uh dishing out the pain uh he dispenses with the cops um and heads on over to carla gugino <laughs> aka yeah, my girl <laughs> yeah especially in sin city like oh my oh, goodness antonio's a very happy man um, he heads over to uh, his parole officer, Lucille. And this is when it starts to get a little squeamish, the internal uh, dialogue that, that Marv's having. He's like, uh, can I say the D word if it's in the story? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, ah, it's such a shame that she's a dyke because she is built for freaking speed, man. And and she is. Lucille's gorgeous and and doesn't really seem to care that she's almost naked in front of a man like it's not even a concern with her she wakes up pulls her gun goes to the door and it's marv marv wants marv wants you know medicine um because he he requires it um one of the things that i thought was brilliant that frank uh injected into the story it's not subtle at all but that goldie um has a mirror image and for a guy that's easily confused and sees things that may not be there when he eventually sees another Goldie, he starts to question his sanity. Like, am I messing up again? Is is this me? Um, you know. So uh, Marv's on the run. He has a little bit of pills to keep him straight for a you know short amount of time, but he needs Gladys. He needs his girl Gladys. Uh, so he goes back to his mom's. Gladys is a gun. And um, Marv's mom is not in a good way. Uh, she actually should be in some kind of uh, care center, you know, or, or retirement home. But this is, again, Sin City. And she We're reading was, this uh, reminded me of the scene in Goodfellas when they go, when they go to... to, to uh, to Joe Pesci's mom's to get the to get you to get uh, knives and stuff to cut up the body, and she's like up and she's like oh makes him makes him eat eat spaghetti and sauce like when he was, he's going to his mom's house to get stuff like it's so <laughs> who doesn't have time for pasta come on yeah I would stop and have some too, and he gets Gladys his gun, and uh, is very tender uh, well as tender as I guess Marv can be with his mom. Like it, it, it he, he, I got uh, the impression that she may have been a little bit of an annoyance to him, right? But you know, uh, it's his mom, and he tells tells mom, you know, hey, I met a girl, 
and her name's Goldie, and she's nice. He doesn't say <laughs> that, you know, I had the, the sex with her, and she ended she up dead. dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice, Marv. Go have a good time. Uh, so then I think the, the showpiece or the centerpiece for me of, uh, you know, the let's just say the first half of the story is mm-hmm. when uh, Marv heads over to Katie's bar. <laughs> and that is the first time that we lay eyes on who? Nancy. 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 The, uh, Nancy's the stripper who has a, a Western-themed act. And she's got, you know, the 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 lariat and the cowboy hat, and and um, Nancy's just gorgeous. And uh, one, I think, one of the biggest letdowns, very few, yep. but yep, the yep, the yep. big, 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 big letdown of the Sin City movie was if you're 100%. gonna cast Jessica Alba as Nancy and she doesn't appear nude, something's wrong. Then then <laughs> then she's not. Then you get to get a new Nancy. They could yeah, everybody have. Everybody else had absolutely no problem doing, yeah. you know, what, 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 right. what this. Look at Carla Gugino. I'm, I'm not trying she to say, was... listen, I wanted to see. I'm, who doesn't want to see it? But I'm saying if if everything else is going to be true to form and and do exactly, play it out exactly how it was in the comics, then, then yeah, it, it, that, that's, that's such a glaring uh, yeah. misstep. I, I, I thought it was a transgression, really. Because yeah. it didn't, it didn't really set the bar up as the seedy joint that it was. It was like, oh, you could take your wife here, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, no, kind of thing. I think it's, I mean, right, exactly. Because, because, I mean, Nancy was like the, the queen, you know, that queen bitch of, of the strip club. Like she, like, like she owned her. She, like she, she had full ownership of her of her sexuality. So, like, yeah, that was her job to be yeah. naked and like, like capture men. And and attention. she knew, uh, and it's in the narrative that like all eyes were on Nancy. And and Marv says, you know, I'd be looking too if I didn't have an agenda, because she's a, she's a magnet. You, you can't take your eyes off her. Yeah. Now, if I was cast um, Sin City, I would have either gone with uh, Jenna Jameson, who may have been a little too old to play Nancy mm-hmm. at the time, but Jesse Jane would have made a great Nancy. No. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I'd want to see someone like. I would definitely cast. Up. I would cast a porn star as Nancy. Mm-hmm. They got the moves, <laughs> right? Not sure I'm with it. All right. Well, I, I don't know. What's I don't that? Actually ever, I mean, I think Jessica Alba, especially at the time, was like one of the it girls. I mean, it's just that, oh, exactly. I guess that's her what... unwillingness to 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 be nude is that was the issue. I mean. But I mean, if you look at the silhouettes or the the uh, chiaroscuro images of Nancy, Jessica Alba is not filling that out, right? I guess. I mean, yeah. But we're getting a little. Yeah, I mean, I think that movie. I don't. Know, I mean, I think the movie's pretty bad, personally. But but I, I think it's really well cast. I mean, the the cast is absurd mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the. I mean, I don't. I don't mean that. I don't think everyone that was cast. I don't think everyone that was cast did a great job playing the parts that they were cast in, but like the list of actors cast in that film is just ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. I mean, Nick Offerman was in the goddamn movie like way before. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> no, but he's like, I'm saying like, it, like even like the little like bit 
character, like you know, like Elijah Wood was in it. You know, like, yeah, and Nick yeah. Stahl. I mean, these are. I mean, but but they I mean, don't. Rucker Howard the exception I mean, of yeah. um, and, and Michael, Michael Madsen. You know, Mister. You can kind of see. You know, obviously, you can tell that that Mickey Rourke is is Marv, but they actually did. They were manipulated so that they nobody nobody was trying to be pretty. And you, you didn't really cast any, with the exception of maybe you know Josh Hartnett or, or or some of the gals. Nobody was really meant to look flawless. Everybody, almost everybody, had something done to them for the movie. Like I said, either the yellow bastard or Marv or but or just or scars out the wazoo. But yeah, nobody. It it looked the movie looked really good. I agree. I agree. Yeah. What a wonderful movie! Um, I remember, I, <laughs> I, I, I believe I saw it with Marty. I'm pretty sure Marty and I saw it together, because we were both Marty like it. Oh yeah, Marty's uh, in the same league as myself with the Frank Miller appreciation. Yeah. Oh no, that I knew. I just yeah. wasn't sure how he may have felt about the movie. We loved it. Okay. You know, now that I think about it, I assume that Darker took that slipcase out that i bought because of the movie the same year so that must have been why they yeah. did it yeah nice nice well 25 right yeah and then should have got that yeah yeah there you go well you, they're like thousand it's like a thousand dollars to get them now because they're like there's nowhere to be found well i yeah i i'm in the singles boat i have all the singles so. yeah, yeah 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 and then after the first series hit they're like well i guess we got to put something out with a cardstock cover because yeah. Frank Frank's all hoity-toity now. Uh, so let's talk about Marv as, as as the lead character because I mean he, like you said, Vince. I mean this this story is not exactly breaking a ton of new ground. It's a relatively straightforward uh, narrative. But but Marv is an interesting character, and and I think maybe to those that are are un, were unfamiliar with Sin City and and are playing along with us for the first time, maybe Marv doesn't seem as odd of a duck for a lead character as he might have back in the early 90s, you know, because, again, like, Frank like, brought, burst open the door for these kinds of stories, but but I mean, he, he's like the, the absolute chief anti-hero and, 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 but also, but in a lot of ways, he's just very, very different than I mean, like we said, he's, he's a lot of times when you get, like, these noir detective or or make good stories the the lead is is not physically imposing they're tough they've been through the ringer but i mean marv is almost a mutant i mean he's he's well over seven foot he's massive uh you know very very and that's unusual he's as we said he's psychotic he's certainly a dude that's done bad things in his life whether whether he thought they were bad or there was moral ambiguity to it he certainly is done lots of things that most would consider bad in his life he's he's had a rough life like you said he's likely been abused at some point he's got mental illness um you know he, he really doesn't have a like he's not a moral being in any way other than in the story he's very much the moral uh lightning rod because he's trying to avenge a death he feels was unfair and and and, and unnecessary but like but it's but Frank's picking a, an entity that's like almost the antithesis of, of 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 the kind of person you'd want to root for or B 
be around, frankly, in any other moment other than when he's on this this uh, this mission, which he's been put upon. I don't think he. I don't think the unfairness of her death was the main motivator. I think Marv had. You mean it's more that he was framed for being trying to be framed for it? No, 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 no. I think Marv lived a life uh, without love, and he mentions it many, many times in the narrative. Uh, he's in, he was in love with Goldie, right? Sure, so yeah. the, whoever but even that like speaks to his mental illness because he, he right well who falls in love that easy he got because she slept with him once and paid attention to him right but that speaks to the point that you know he's always been in the shadows and he's been uh, disenfranchised and discarded and shoved around and manipulated and and abused and then somebody who looks like she descended from heaven gives him the time of day not only on the surface but actually shares herself with him and so of course he's going to fall in love and so um he's pissed that whoever killed nancy took away even if it was fiction took away that love from his life that's what i think i don't yes and he's mm-hmm. he, he he's he's ripping because it was an unjust murder she didn't deserve it of course well that's debatable right but um so, yeah, I think it was all about love. Like, that was the th- one of the things when I first read it, like, I was like, this guy falls in love with the drop of a hat. Like, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. But I guess when you think about it a little bit, uh, anybody who's dehydrated is going to praise the water, right? They're going to they're gonna love the water. Oh, you, this water saved me. I love it. It's the best thing ever. Well, that's, that's Goldie. Well, it's interesting because... <laughs> You know, again, we talk about how it's when you when you read something or or watch something, when you watch it or when you read it can really help shape your interpretation of it. And I I do wonder how this is interpreted by people now because if you were reading this for the first time, like Marv could be seen as a as a um, fantasy for incels. You know, I mean, he's effectively an incel, but he's an incel who's seven foot tall. And almost superhumanly strong and able to kill people that piss them off, right? Whereas most people, when they think of incels, they're you know they're 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 weak and you know unable to accomplish much. So it's like, but like he's he is basically an incel. I mean, he's it, the incel ideal. That's what he, exactly right. Right. Like he's so I, I like I don't know. <laughs> I'm not very fortunately. I'm not very plugged into the incel community, but I don't know if like. Do they grok with Sin City? Like, are they bowed about it? Is he like their hero? I don't know. I don't well, know. I mean, that Joker movie didn't. I, I never even picked up on it until you said it about the. the it's a. It's an incel, <laughs> incel fever yeah. dream. We don't um, have to go down that road, but that is one of the reasons I disliked that film as much more than you guys did because I felt like it was a. It was basically a, an advertisement for being an incel. But yeah, but but we don't have to go well, down that road tonight. <laughs> yeah, I, I still love the movie. That was um, what Frank was going for here. I mean, obviously, the, the idea of an incel sure. back then didn't even exist. Right. And Frank was Frank was Frank, as we know, was certainly not lacking in his ability to uh, attract and or be around women. But uh, but right. I just was like rereading it now in 2022. I'm like I'm like it's funny. Like Marv is like. Like like the god of incels, like <laughs> he's like yeah. You know. Well, anybody with strength that throws people around when they don't get their way, I guess, would be yeah. when when they felt when they feel like they've been been slighted in some manner. I I I don't completely understand what qualifies a, a person as incel. I don't know, but I'm well, I could. I, it's just a, it's just basically a, it's someone that that that. Uh, 
that 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 considers themselves, you know, basically uh, unable or not likely to be able to attract. Uh, I was going to say women, but but people that they would otherwise be wanting to be sexually, you know, sexually active with. So they're looking for they, love. Yeah. Well, they're looking for love, but because they feel like they can't get it, they have violent tendencies towards the the again I, keep, I my mind keeps going to opposite sex but but towards obviously you can have a person could be lgbtq yeah. and, and incel but it, they, they because they feel like they 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 cannot get what they want in a sexual partner they basically give up on it and start hating on it is, is really uh, incel. so super yeah. low rock bottom self-esteem 100 percent. Yeah. yeah gotcha okay um, you guys tell me if I'm nuts, but, uh, I think the next sequence in which Marv goes to, um, his little buddy Weevil, Wolverine, I think that's a commentary on Frank's decision to, uh, traipse away from the, the big two. He, I mean, he's known for his, well, no, I can't say that he was primarily known for both his Marvel and his DC work. But I think I think that character is visually styled the way he is because that's Frank throwing Marvel around. Why would that character look like Wolverine otherwise? He's he's not making a commentary on Top Cow, right? It's 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 Wolverine. It looks he's a he's short. He's got the fucking hair on the on the chops and the mm-hmm. the point like that's Wolverine. And Frank just comes in and Wolverine like does not want or sorry Weevil. Weevil. And he's even he his name even starts with a W. Yeah, Weevil Wolverine. It, it has it has to way. be a, a commentary on on uh, this is not your old Frank. This is the new Frank. Um, I hadn't thought about it, but I mean it makes sense what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, we we to your point. One of the things that's worth mentioning here is that Frank was one of the gods of comics at this point and could pretty much write his own ticket. Yep. And he wanted to do something that was very much hard R X rated and was outside of the the traditional comics code, and and that that gave birth to this, right? So that this was his attempt at being able to do you know, raw things that, that right. he couldn't do for all those years at, at the big two. Let's just put the, the, the narrative on pause for a second and just get back to the the Frank Miller, the man that forever changed comics, but not only comics, as a, as a, a, a serialized medium, he changed creators in his wake. After Sin City came out, the first couple chapters, and after this, this visual, this aesthetic started to connect with people. Look at all of the artists that drew their way before this came out. And after Sin City, post Sin City, you had guys transformed. Like even Frank Miller transformed Jim Frickin' Jim Lee. Lee. That's blah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. After, look at the death blow is a complete pastiche on Frank Miller's oh, yeah. visual style. He, Jay Lee started drawing like Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, even Giffen, well, I shouldn't say even Giffen, because Giffen was very willing <laughs> to, to change his, his visual voice on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a whim. But, I mean, there, there were, I, dare, I don't want to count them all, and I don't even have the ability to do so. But I'm guessing 
there were tens and tens of of artists let's let's say 50 or 60 that um changed their very approach to to drawing because of frank that's that thing that's a very sure. fair statement yeah. to make absolutely and mostly at say, image the yeah, image guys no, really really latched mm -hmm. onto this art for sure i will say that uh you know i know we were discussing this when the dkr cover went for a couple million bucks and you know the debate about how much of it was frank how much of it was lynn and uh certainly i think you, you because of the of the works that frank did that were colored it's like almost sacrilegious to say what i'm about to say but like when i read sin city like i just think this is frank at his best hmm. and again i'm not talking like i'm not saying this is better than, than dkr i'm saying like this is frank at his best as a as, a, as an illustrator like because okay. like i i look at the fact that he just because this isn't this isn't like this isn't black and white meaning like in the way a lot of modern creators use all these tones and this is just black and white like it is hard black ink and white space and it is in it is a master class oh, yeah. in all the different ways you can tell a story using just black ink and white space and it's like and it's and from page to page panel to panel it's not one trick it's all the tricks exactly on display and it's ridiculous and yeah. like i love black and white comics and like there is no better than this I mean, there may be some that I think are great too, but like, like when I look at these pages, I'm like, God damn, it's, it can't be done better than this. So like the Somnies and you know, the, like the, the Sanchez, like they're all amazing, but they, they can only hope in their better moments to match what Frank did in this book. Yeah. Another guy, Scott McDaniel, uh, when he was working on Daredevil yeah. tree of knowledge, he should have been cutting Frank a check. Just say it. But, sure. uh, well, no, I mean, we've established a few, yeah. but but I'm just saying in terms of, of, of uh, like, I just, it is absolutely stunning to me that he could do everything that he did here without any tricks. There are what? no trick. The, the trick is just his ability to, to, to take the lack of color and the and color. And, like, it's it's ridiculous how he did it. I, I don't, I just don't think there's many people that could do it. Well, I think it's uh, a bit paying attention to the work of Jim Steranko. And remembering what he was taught about op art. Uh, and he's very, very sly. Like, you see Marv going into the bar. And the, the brickwork is rendered with the black being the grout or the mortar of the brick. And you're thinking, oh, cool. That's a lot of fucking bricks, Frank. That's great. But when Marv leaves the bar, the sun has ascended to a point where it's so bright that you yeah. just see the mortar in the shadows that yep. was a freaking masterstroke when he did that i'm like frank you are a god and then th th that wasn't enough for frank then he had to do the rain the rain <laughs> is yes. ridiculous yep um and and i think that Frank became an Ouroboros in a sense with the rain because he's utilized that many, many, many times mm -hmm, after sure. Sin City. I mean, it worked really well in Sin City. So if you figure, oh, what the fuck, why not? I'll do it again. And and it worked in um, Holy Terror and, and other stuff. But the fact that the shadows 
would give life to would give detail where the light did not that is conceptually an amazing statement and it just summarizes the whole aesthetic of of sin city that this is a, a realm where the shadows are where the real life happens in the sun not so much because it blasts everything out the good just completely whitewashes everything but in those shadows that's where you start to see what makes this place tick and that that's that's an conceptually that's amazing i i again like you said if i lived a thousand years i could never conceive of approaching a work of art from that perspective because who thinks like that right that's the thing i mean the thought in the construction of each panel and page is just exceptional because, and again, it's it, and what makes it really all time great is that it's not like he takes the same approach with each page or each, each part of the story. Right. He, he, it's almost like he sat down each day and thought, what can I do today? That's different. And it, and each one was like, God damn, look at you. Like yep. Yep. you did that, didn't you? And, and it, it's just, yeah, I mean, um, going to show these kids how it's done. Yeah, well, but back then he wasn't doing thinking that. I mean, he was just he was the dog. He's like, I'm just going to do my. I'm going to just. I'm going to put put in the work. Now I do wonder if he was trying to like send a message to the world about like, you all think I fucking need Lynn? I don't need Lynn. Like, yeah, you know. I don't. But, I guess however, it could be some of that, but I, who knows? I mean, but 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 the volume is. It says this one's for Lynn. He dedicates the first. Yeah, hundred percent. That's why I don't yeah. want to try and put that this, out there. Like I, for, at the time, I think they were still pretty good. So. This one's for Lynn, who didn't do anything on this. Okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> now it is worth mentioning, and by the way, uh, I had pinged the slackers just for questions or whatever, and um, and credit to Mitchell because he did bring up something that I did have my notes to bring up. But because um, we are, I think, rightfully talking about how influential Frank is, and and, and this being a pinnacle work. But but uh, Mitchell did ask, and I think it is worth mentioning that you know Frank has been very gracious in in uh, over the years of crediting uh, uh, Jose Munoz yes. as uh, as one of his artistic. Uh, uh, ma- massive influences, and for those that don't know, uh, Jose Munoz is an Argentinian artist. Um, I believe he's still alive, actually. Um, I don't think he's much older than Frank. He's maybe ten, fifteen years older than Frank. But, but, uh, but he, um, he's a guy that uh, that has been like, you know, uh, referenced by like many of the greats as being inspirational to them. Um, he had a series called uh, uh, Alak Sinner. Uh, I don't know if it's Alak or Alak, but but A-L-A-C-K, Sinner. And it was a noirish detective series um, that, uh, that Frank, again, Frank Frank loved it and said that was like huge in his coming up and how to tell stories. And I know Scott McCloud mentioned Munoz in his, in Understanding Comics. Yeah. Um, I, you know, so, so point being, I mean, um, even even people that that uh, that define errors or create you know moments are often inspired by others that came sure. before them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it it is fair to and credit to Mitchell for going, but it is fair to throw some love to Munoz. Also, one of my all time favorite artists, Eduardo Risso, is a huge huge. Uh, yes. Uh, and, you know, he credits Munoz as being his mentor. So yeah. I didn't read Sinner. Uh, I read Joe's Bar first. Sure. Because uh, which is a spinoff of. Of center, came the, out here, yeah. yeah, the um, the journal was all up in Munoz's guts uh, right. over the approach, and they were very vocal uh, in in pointing out that yeah, you think Frank's great? This is where it came from. 
But, I mean, inspiration comes from everywhere. And I don't think that Frank aped Munoz's style per se. The line works different, but the shadows are very similar. So um, uh, artists are not Indians, right? You don't use or Native Americans. You don't use all of the pieces of the buffalo. In your lifetime, you find <laughs> what works, and you take that piece and you put it in that little mental box, and later yeah. on, you you employ it. And I think that's what Frank did. Um, who isn't inspired by anything? <laughs> Life is inspiring, right? So to say that, oh, man, I see where this comes from. Yeah, maybe that Munoz made such an impact on Frank that he's like, I like this approach. I'm going to yeah. put that in my back pocket. So what? If 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 that's the case, then everybody owes this Kirby estate, you know, accolades because that's the guy that inspired everybody. Yeah. So. I think the thing that impresses me about art like this is that um, – I mean, we all read lots of black and white comics, you know, Vince, especially with the manga. I mean, it's it's not uncommon for us to do that. We have love for them, you know, collect art, which obviously is the black and white component of it. But I have to say there's lots and lots of, of line art from that I think is gorgeous and I think is is awesome to look at that I that I don't think is hindered and is sometimes enhanced by the coloring in the final story. I think like, OK, yeah, the color really does add something. But when you're just doing what's being done here by Frank or anyone else that that, that that draws this way, like there's not a iota of space for color. And there's no way you can convince me that anyone that tried to add color to this or put tones into it wouldn't take away from it. Yeah. Like I, I don't think I think it would be an absolute miscarriage of justice. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you look at Lynn's work on Electra Lives Again. There's a reason why she went full process. Because if she went flat, it wouldn't have worked. Because Frank mm-hmm. was already in semi-Sin City mindset with the line work. Very, very harsh shadows. Bright, bright, bright whites. And Lynn um, cunningly knew that she would have to go very painterly on it to make it copacetic with the line work. Either you're going all out or you're not going at all, right? That's the thing about um, line work. The very, very worst thing that could ever happen is if somebody said, um, yeah, we're reissuing this uh, work that was originally done in black and white, but you know what? We're going to colorize it for a new audience. That is the kiss of friggin' death because from an artistic standpoint, as you're dropping down those shapes on the page, you're not thinking about someone coming in later that's going to add color to them. You're only thinking about the way those shapes and lines work within those four corners as the end. That's the be-all and the end-all. For somebody to come in, like if somebody wanted to colorize uh, Cerebus, that would be a travesty because Dave and Gerhard weren't thinking about color when they were creating that. They were thinking about the way the the panel worked as it is. If somebody come in later, bad, bad, bad mojo. I that is I I am I will never ever, with very few exceptions, uh, buy a work that was originally released in black and white that's now been colorized because it's a travesty because it's a completely different mindset. Yeah. Have either of you taken a peek at the um, like bone? Too much of attention of the uh, well. 
Yeah, well, so that's a, that's another good one. I was going to say right now, it seems like the um, the Walking Dead color is selling like hotcakes. It seems like um, I haven't seen a single issue of it, so I, I don't know whether it's. I like Adlard, but I got to be honest with you. I don't think that he's on a level of like say Miller or. Well, no. Well, that, I'm not saying he is, but I'm saying I don't know if you, either of you have seen like does the does the colored Walking Dead feel different, look different, work different? Because I do think because of the nature of the book, I think black and white was the right medium for it. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, but wasn't there a, a grayscale artist on, on Walking Dead originally? Like, yeah, um, Rathburn. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, that's that's just color without the chroma, right? Yeah. Using yeah. grayscale. So it's basically the same thing without the chroma. I don't know. I like the bone is the big deal for me. Like when I heard they were going to release bone in in a color edition, I was like, "Why? Why would you do that?" Yeah, that's one of those ones I I, I call that part of the. Uh, it's like the that's like the uh, the, the 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 prequels. Uh, like it, like having kids at a certain age when that came out, I bought them all the colored books, all the volumes, and and we read them and or they read them. So I have love for it because it like they loved it. But uh, but yeah, I'm with you though. I mean, I, by, if I were to revisit Bone again, I mean, I've read it twice. If I were to reread it a third time, I'd read the black and white version. Yeah. Right, but did Terry uh, redo uh, Strangers in Paradise in color? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I'm, I, I like the pocketbook versions. I, I'm the pocketbooks are black and white. Okay. Yeah, I didn't yeah. read them, but I think there's some color Strangers around somewhere. But I don't. Okay. I, mean, I can't yeah, be no, sure. I, I mean, I've not ever read a Terry Moore uh, colored book, but and you mean, shouldn't because that's his strong suit. Yeah. yeah. Right. But uh, the Jeff Smith, uh, there's no denying from a business standpoint that Colorizing Bone was a very, very wise oh, decision sure. yeah. to make. Yeah. Made so, a couple extra mil. And that's the thing. He, uh, he is the, the sole creator of Bone. So if he wants to put it out in, in you know, just plain primary colors, if he wants to do, you know, whatever with it. Uh, that's his baby. He could decide to, who's to say he's wrong. It's his, he made it, right? Sure. So, but th- his bank account would attest to the fact that it was pretty smart <laughs> to, to release that in, in yeah. color. I wonder why, I don't know if he's ever talked about it. I I mean, it's Frank Miller. So if he just went to, to Richardson and said, I have an idea, I'm going to do this book. And whether they decided to do monthlies, if he wanted to, you know, drag the chapters out or make multiple do like the old dc books where you know a 32 page book has like three chapters in it i wonder if i wonder whose idea was it to bring it to, to, to put it in dark horse presents it's it frank oh, Miller right. could write his own ticket and, and and but it's like i mean obviously it benefited the anthology because look, frank miller's telling a story in it so it's the, probably it's the most that. most copies that anthology ever sold I bet, and it is just. It, it, I don't. It didn't really make. I don't think it made Frank's life any easier because I mean, as the chapters go on, they get a little longer. He's like taking over most of the book, but it's. I just. It. it I do wonder if it's like on Frank Miller. I'm going to you know bring some cash to the, to the to this little anthology, or if if they were like we have you know since it is a great idea. Why don't we? I, I really would like to, I to know what the head of conversation. I remember a Comics Journal interview that either approached or broached this subject. Okay. And I'm going to have to find it. I'm sure Matt Allison knows exactly what paragraph it is. <laughs> on the, the age? Yeah, he's like, facing ad was. It's scary how that he remembers uh, stuff. But um, I have a brief aside. 
did you either of you pick up the new previews? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yes. Did you happen to look on page 252 and 253? Probably. I mean, I read the whole thing. Uh, Frank Miller presents Ron- oh, yeah. Ronin Book yeah. 2? Yeah. <laughs> what? Ronin Ro- Book 2? Ronin really? Book 2, written by Frank Miller, with art by Philip Tan, Be Still My Frickin' Heart, oh, Jesus. and Daniel Henriks. Henriks. Yeah. Frank Miller returns to one of his most critically praised and influential body of works, Ronin. Totally agree. Uh, this six-part well, you know he's also coming out more Sin City, right? Uh, yeah, but this is the first I've seen of Ronin. This six-part miniseries follows the original work and takes Casey and her newborn son across the ravaged landscape of America with layouts by Miller. So you know it's going to read well. Stop. <laughs> the beautiful panoramic art by Philip Tan and Daniel Henricks captures all of the energy and excitement of the original series debatable taking the characters and world into a direction all its own not to be missed mature themes prestige format 56 pages black and white 7.99 i'm so in i don't know why the images you would... i've seen for it look beautiful i have to say i don't know why when the two words philip and tan come out of somebody's <laughs> mouth that somebody would not be like oh oh <laughs> You are a strange bird. He is so freaking. For your obsession with Philip Tan is fascinating. He's so good, but only because his style is. There were so many guys that are just that look like Philip Tan that you hate. It's so funny to me. That's because they're not Philip Tan. Oh, dude! But Sin City, eighteen fifty eight. If if you're gonna give me a western Sin City, I'm about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. So much so. Yep, yep. I I just love Philip Tan for one reason and that oh, is man. no spawn yeah yeah right but you're not it's, isn't isn't he also doing uh shadowhawk i know nothing about or is that shadowhawk. the other tan i don't know okay. billy tan there's a couple no, tans. I don't think it's billy tan. right there's there's i think there's three tans but I just love Philip. Uh, the Last Shadowhawk is is uh, is Philip Tan. Well, I guess I'm going to be reading Last Shadowhawk. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> not something I relish, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's, you, you know, so you, you got to take your uh, cupcake with a little bit of no, poop. Dude, if, wait a second. It's uh, <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know that he's drawing it though. He's writing it. I, I yeah, uh, he, just doing covers. Daniel, Daniel Enriquez is drawing it. Who? Yeah, well, I don't know who, but Gunslinger Spawn apparently. Oh, that's okay. Oh, there you go, Vince. After you read your trade, you can. Uh, I ju- I just bought a, uh, a Gunslinger Spawn trade today. Dude, it was uh, only they, it was only ten bucks. Money burning uh, in yeah. pocket. The Last Shadowhawk, uh, co-written by Philip Tan and Brian Haverlin. Yeah. With. Uh, Although he's listed as writer artist and then inker Daniel Enriquez, so it looks like Philip is drawing he's it. Penciling, yeah. Uh, go to the back issue bins or wherever you get your back issue comics and and buy. No, listen to me. Uh, listen, listen. Spawn Godslayer is a masterful work. They live on the back of a turtle. It is awesome. It's just um, that I I was like depressing about not depressing, but my my interest in Spawn was degrading around. 
before the time God Slayer came out. And this Spawn thing, the God Slayer, reinvigorated my love of Spawn for like a couple decades after. It's just so good. Stop. I think Brian Holgan wrote it. It's it's wonderful. Huh? But whatever. Cool. Back to Sin City. And I got to be honest. Every time I say Sin City, what do I hear playing in my head? What song? ACDC. It, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. So, um, Weevil, uh, because he's being mangled by Marv, Marv wants information. What is page, up? What, are we ta- what page are we talking? Uh, what page are we talking? It's around, it's in the 60s, maybe uh, six, 54. He's still at the bar. He's still at Katie's. Yeah, he's still at the bar, and, and Marv wants information. I, I you know, want to know about this Goldie and start oh, yeah. spreading the word that I'm pretty pissed off about her. And and reluctantly. reluctantly oh, it is Wolverine. You're right. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I never noticed before, but you're right. It is. Oh, hey, that, that friend show is pretty funny. Um, oh, so, God. That'd be a <laughs> <laughs> But, <laughs> so... Marv puts the 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 hands on on um, Weevil and Weevil fesses up, but reluctantly. And he's like, "This is big. It's I'll I'll, I'll give you a, a name and a location." And he's like, "Rourke." And Marv's like, "Get the fuck out of here! It's not Rourke. It just can't be that big." And Weevil's, "Yeah, it is. It's it's Rourke." Um, and I'll give you a, a location. It's a, there's a farmhouse at North Cross in Lenox. And you go check this out, and, and th- this will lead you to what you seek. He, he's not that eloquent. Um, but the deal with Rourke is, Rourke is a man of the cloth. He's, uh, his uh, original Pardon. name was Patrick Henry Rourke, and he's a cardinal, as Jason said. So um, he... Uh, it was more Catholic. That's that's big doings. It's like a capo, like a mob capo. Yeah, well, it's exactly what it is, yeah. right? Um, Cardinal Rourke is is basically the lifeblood of Sin City. Nothing comes in, or nothing goes out, or no money is made in Sin City without Rourke knowing about it. You know, it took me a long time after a couple of readings, I think, to to finally pick up on... And it's right there, like, in every image you see of Marvel. I don't know why the hell I just glossed over the cross every time I, I, I see the character. But, yeah, right? he's, he's wearing yeah. a cross. Um, he's not walking like Jesus, that's for sure. Yeah. But uh, that was one of the themes in Sin City that really latched on to me was the way that Frank, no holds barred, just unravel I mean, yeah, the fucking, corruption he fucking kills a priest dude in a church yes in the <laughs> confessional is, yep that is you know how many how many how many tv and movies and had, did you see a thing where like you know ch- church you know that was that was the safe haven was still, grand, still, yeah. but in, in essence he killed a man right the course, fact yeah, the yeah, fact but, that but the that, fact that, that he's that, a priest was just that's just a Yes, yeah. to most people. But he killed a man who just happened to have gone through all of the steps necessary to gain the title of priest. Uh, the the man was no better or worse or different than every other man on the planet. The fact that he's known as a priest would make some people, <gasps> it would take the wind out of some people, but the fact remains that that's just a title. He could have been a janitor or a plumber, right? Big deal. You know, you're a priest, no, no, whatever. Of course, we all think that way. But, yeah. But, 
but again, the 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 idea here, especially with to Dav, to David's point about least Mark at some point, well, even now would consider on some level considers himself religious, right? He wears a cross. He he he, he can't believe that Rourke would be, you know, the bad guy. He's 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 obviously got a prior relationship with the confessional, mm-hmm. and and to so so to to Marv the character, he's more than a man. Like that with- is not like. Like, like to 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 you or I, lapsed, like, but but if you're if you're in any way Christian and Catholic in particular, like, you don't believe that priests are exactly just, right. It uh, you yeah. know it's hands off because yeah you know uh, yeah even in wartime the priests are not shot right traditionally yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the, the 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 experience with the confessional I don't know it's not explicit in the work but it makes me draw the line between the subtle uh, mishandling that Marv uh, was subject to early in his life and the fact that he has experience with the church. Maybe there's a um, an, a, a sexual abuse thing there. I don't know. I may be reading too much into it. But if the words are on the paper, you got to follow the trail, right? So it could be possible. It could also very, very well not be possible. But um, which made which may have made him more willing to kill the priest. I don't know. Well, he. I mean, it, it's the, the priest even says, you know, ask yourself if that corpse of a slut is worth dying for. And Marv thinks to himself, as he's killing him, worth dying for, worth killing for, worth going to hell for. Who the right. people who think they're going to hell? Yeah, are those that you know. So yeah, he's still, he still, he still has faith. Oh, he definitely does because he goes to the confessional and talks about how. He would never go to church with blood on his hands because it's you know it'd be disrespectful. So I mean he's he's absolutely a practice in as much as a I mean, he did. murder 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 murderer can be. He's he's considers himself a Catholic. Yeah. But he didn't go to the confessional to confess. He went to the confessional for information and eventually to kill the person on the other end. Right. He, sure. he wasn't sure. repenting for anything, right? No, no. But but he, but again, he does have some respect for it, though, right? That is mm-hmm. his, 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 you know I. I wouldn't come to church without wiping my blood off my hands, you know. And then, obviously, at, <laughs> at that point, after he kills, him, he says he's willing. He 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 thinks his actions are sending him to hell. Which you know, you talk about being committed. If you're again, if you're if you're devout and you believe in heaven and hell, right? You know, your actions. You know that he's he's all he's he's committed to this. Oh, right? he's all in. He's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's he he has pushed all his chips to the center absolutely. of the table. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, and he's still. It's not like he he didn't just do it and move on i mean at, at, after he takes the priest car keys you know he's still thinking i just murdered a priest and yeah and then and then he goes and then we go back to um marv being marv where he's like yeah so he drove a mercedes or at least what they're passing off as a mercedes these days modern cars they'll look like electric shavers and it's like dude just like he just lives in the past and that's just that's his mindset that's okay though that's okay it it can be, and in this case, yes, that that's the kind of guy Marv is, and 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 that's you probably don't want him to be too progressive because it's just it wouldn't fit. If if you're not spreading your hatred, or or your your old way of thinking, if you're not demanding that others share your viewpoints, if you just live in the past, so what? I mean, that's okay. It's when you take those outmoded ideas and you try and. Uh, use them as a template over the way things should be presently that's when it gets really dangerous yeah and, and nasty right so um marv has a, a bit of an altercation outside the bar and um 
he's still on the information trail uh, as we said he he kills a priest but he he's got he's got some data now to uh not only the location he's he's got a lead that maybe Goldie was involved in something that shouldn't have or or maybe uh unwillingly experienced something so uh you know he's going to uh check out the the farm and on the way he's uh almost well, he is. He's shot and almost run down by Goldie, and he's like, "What? <laughs> Can't be. Goldie's dead. That that wasn't Goldie. Am I am I messing up again? Was that Goldie? Well, you know, let's just cut to the chase. Goldie has a twin sister named yeah. named Wendy, and uh, it's amazing. Again, uh, conceptually, I think that's a very very smart way to play on the the mental deficiencies of your main character. But uh, Frank goes to the, the farmhouse and gets the shit kicked out of him by a young man um, named Kevin. Uh, takes Marv out very easy. Like, disturbing. Oh, the, the, only, the, only, the only wonky thing I think in this book visually is, uh, is my dude's attempt at drawing a wolf. <laughs> it looked like a giant rat, but they can't win them all. What the hell are you talking about? What do you mean when Marv Marv gets confronted by a wolf at the farm before he? Gets, yeah, I understand what you're talking food. about, but yeah. I don't. I don't. No, it's a wolf. Wolf does he say it's a wolf? It's a bit. No, it's a big old burly ass fucking slavering at the mouth wolf. That's a Frank Miller wolf. You leave him alone. But while he's fighting. Um, Kevin, he notices that like there are bones. Well, he picks up a bone. Um, no, that's Kevin picking up the bone. Uh, th- there's a bone that doesn't look like uh, it came from an animal. It looks like a human bone, and there are. No, he picks. It's Frank. It's uh, it's Mar that picks up the bone. He picks up the bone in the shoe because he doesn't hear Kevin coming, and then Kevin comes right. sneaks up. Okay, up. yeah, How the hell right, right, right. Um, and that's when Kevin gets the drop on him. But th- there are there's something going on at the farm that Marv has not discerned yet. But he quickly does because he's thrown in a a, a cell, beautiful tiled cell that Frank utilizes to great effect. Mm-hmm. And just so happens that on the wall of the the cell there are severed heads mounted <laughs> like trophies from all of the. Uh, Ladies of the night that uh, Kevin has killed and partially eaten. Uh, within the cell with with good old Marv is Lucille, and um, <laughs> she's in a bad Still way. Naked. She's yeah. She well, come on. She's uh, handling trauma well, though. I mean, goddamn. If if I had my hand cut off and and watched someone cook and eat it, I don't know that I'd be like ready to spring back into action. It depends. depends. Well, she, I mean, she, we all grieve differently, obviously, but yeah, it, <laughs> it, it takes her a second. She, she does, she does finally, uh, release once, once Marv is there and, and, and he's holding her and, and she's telling him the events that happened before he got there. And, and she, and, and he's like, she's telling him, you know, the son of a bitch made me watch. He made me widen. And that's when she finally lets loose. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Marv tries to get out of the cell. 
slamming his body Jesus. repeatedly. Um, you get like bang, banging your head off a brick wall. Uh, but he eventually does it. He loosens the screw. And um, I got to say, Frank does things with a trench coat that are magnificent uh, with Lucille. It, this, this trench coat is not form-fitting, but Frank makes the shadows work. And and she's, again, she doesn't care that she has this trench coat open to the waist and her her um, lady parts are, you know, on, on full view. But that's Frank being smart, right? He knows his audience. Um, Lucille and Marv exit the cell. And we get a little bit of a confusing sequence in mm-hmm. which, in which yeah. Lucille bonks Marv on the head with a rock in in proximity to uh, Rourke's uh, very disturbing looking uh, hired guns, and they're armored up and they're they they are armed to the teeth. But this sequence, I, I still, to this day, don't know, or I haven't decided whether Lucille was already in cahoots with Rourke and his men. Why would he? She no. be? She just lost a, a hand. So I'm guessing, and I've always taken this stance, but there's still that little nagging thing in the back of my head that she realized that she was in a tough spot. Yeah, and that's that's she's, she's, she's still she a cop. You're not, gonna, you're not gonna get either of us killed, Mark. Right. She's still a cop. She's like, these are cops. I will talk about I, you know, we'll I'll I'll clear this up, but I can't. Her mistake have, is I, that she's trusting of the other of, of Exactly of, and of the other she's like, Oh, they're cops. I can um we're it's my peoples, we'll be able to get to the bottom of this. Right. But if anyone could manipulate Marv, it would be his parole officer who supplied drugs to him. She can't risk him saying something or reacting to if 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 the captain and his goons give lucille a dirty look she doesn't want to risk marv reality. well he, i mean he's he's pointing his gun at them saying i'm going to show them as right soon as they're so i mean he's 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 clearly going to shoot first ask questions later and she's like nah bro we can't be shooting up cops here i mean come on yeah Unfortunately but, for her, yeah, for all her, <laughs> Frank does a little, a little cartoony face. <laughs> yeah, that's such a, it's like a love rockets kind of thing. You shot Charlie Brown, like <laughs> with hair and boobs. Oh, uh, yeah, so uh, it doesn't end well for Lucille. The she's uh, discussing the matter with the uh, obvious. Uh, leader of this this paramilitary group and you know they're either tattooed out or they like applying worst face tattoo ever i mean post malone wouldn't wear that i like it um fucker's still shooting her in the back while she's on the ground it's like i don't well he wants to make sure that he did the deed (laughs) hey come on so frank throws uh, frank yes well maybe uh marv throws down with the uh the armed goons and uh, a, a right in the dick, and he just rips through them like these. They were cock of the block when they landed, but once they realized what they were up against, they're seeing things a little bit differently. And again, Frank utilizes the the creases and the undulations in Marv's skin to really, really great effect. Like you'll have half of his face just blasted out white and then beautifully delineated uh 
curves and and rivulets and just these these folds that are in his his skin that's just great amazing yeah. stuff um the the reason why these guys were dispatched was that marv learned something about you know what goldie was into and he he realized and you know figured out where it led and they're they are here to eliminate marv and anybody to which he uh, spoke because they don't want this information out there because it wouldn't be good for Rourke. Um, and then it starts to rain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know we can laugh about it now because it's, but but that chapter is just, it, it's just incredible. I, I mean, I, I like the effect that he he gets throughout the whole chapter and telling the story that way and basically just you know using the. The, the rain is like a refractory thing. It's just incredible to me. Right, and, right. And that 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 uh, that page, the scene where he's looking up at the statue of uh, of of uh, right. of Cardinal Rourke, you know, saying it's it's just uh, like it's just so massive, and it, it 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 I think it really evokes the symbolism of 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 uh, at least for a certain chunk of of our populace, the power and and sway that. Yes, Catholicism and their leaders hold over us, or and it's bathed in light, right? Yeah. And and Frank just takes the time to just do a barely there shadow on the crucifix in the middle of this character's chest. Yeah. It's a very powerful uh, yeah. panel, but I mean, Toth was doing stuff like this too. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's not just Munoz. There's, there there are plenty of, plenty of of antecedents or precedents uh, for this kind of style. But Frank just yeah, Breccia, Tardy. I mean, a lot of those guys did it right. But Frank mm-hmm. just smashed it all together in one delicious meal, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Frank uh, again, um, <laughs> Marv. Marv is uh, accosted by a group of of ladies of the night, and you see this throughout Sin City. the The call girls and and the prostitutes are. Um, very friendly with those that are trying to uh, positively ignite change in Sin City. But they weren't friendly with Marv initially. In fact, Goldie, um, not Goldie, Wendy, corralled the girls uh, once that, uh, you know, they they had Marv, uh, once she posed as her sister to a point where they could get Marv. And um, they were going to kill him. But they wanted right, to learn. Right. They wanted I mean, to learn why that he that he killed Goldie. I was going to say, yeah, exactly, because they 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 think he killed her. Because and this is brilliant. Bad. This sequence is great because they are beating the shit out of him. They're mm-hmm. they're pistol whipping him with the the right and wrong end of the pistol. Um, they're you know basically mutilating him even more than he already is. And he just flat out tells him, "Would any of you give me the time of day?" Look at me. I'm a freak. I'm a monster. Goldie was with me. Why would I kill her? And the again, I don't know if you picked up on it, but when Marv starts, I'm sure you did, when Marv starts losing control of his faculties, his speech balloons yeah. go, go from very smoothly mm-hmm. curved mm-hmm. to this mess of, of um, ragged, raw, just torn and shredded, shapes it's it's amazing um and again his the 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 uh font well they're hand lettered but the 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 type that uh 
stands for his dialogue is is very uniform when he's in control when he's not it's friggin italic and you know skewed again friggin form follows function it's very smart but the the real surprise of this is after they're grill while they're grilling him and they they're beating the crap out of him and he lets fly with the the reality of the situation they're like okay i kind of believe him and he just gets up out of the chair yeah, like he, he could have removed himself from the scene whenever but he let them beat the crap out of him out of him to prove the point like that's and he lights up a smoke at mm-hmm. the end like yeah that was hot we done let's move on and i got to <laughs> my vote for assless chaps <laughs> yeah <laughs> They're all using negative space in the right way. Better than uh, David Lee Roth ever looked. But. Yes, hundred percent. I my my favorite during that whole interrogation was uh, he's like, well, why 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 are they calling you Wendy? He's like, that's my name. Fucking apes. I edit. He's like, oh, she Goldie's my twin sister. He's like, I guess she was the nice one. I just lost it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the, the the end game is that Goldie had seen something she shouldn't have witnessed. Uh perpetuated by someone in Cardinal Rourke's uh, camp, Kevin, um, and the Cardinal, and she was uh, targeted because of it and was smart enough to stay in public places, and hence the need for her to cozy up to someone uh, walking a wall like Marv, but uh, didn't matter, and she was killed. So it all leads back to Rourke, and uh, what Kevin would do is he somehow convinced Rourke that killing these these women, um, devouring their very souls, was somehow tied in with Rourke's religious beliefs, and it's it's all gobbledygook. Like they they were both very very sick and, and disturbed individuals, um, but I think Kevin kind of passed off his um, murder spree as a religious experience. You know, each one uh, brought him closer to God and he he had a voice like an angel and he would... uh, There was definitely something other than, uh, you know, friendship going on with uh, Rourke and and Kevin. But in the end, it it didn't matter because Marv uh, goes back for a second round with Kevin and he's prepared this time. Stops at a, a hardware store and gets some fucking razor wire, yeah. <laughs> razor wire and explosives and and handcuffs and guns and well he's got um, what's the gun's name again? Gladys. He's got Gladys, Gladys. with him, uh, and he makes really short work of of um, Kevin. Even though Kevin tries very hard, he beats the, the ever living shit out of Marv. Marv is like you know that scene in Rocky. When he just keeps taking the punches, taking the punches, yeah. like you're, dope. you're not yeah. bringing me down. You're just making me stronger, bitch. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> Marv, go. Uh, Wendy sees what's going on, and Marv gives her an old backhand and knocks her yeah. out. <laughs> it's, just, it's so raw. Which is funny in the sense that, like, literally a couple pages before I don't hit babes yeah when when he when he gets out of the chair and they're like you could have let and he's like I don't and I don't hurt women but he did it so she wouldn't have nightmares yeah, for no, the rest of like, her world, it, knocking her out with a backhand is not hurting her cuz right. keeping her alive I guess which is you know 
Right. Um, and at least at least Frank was nice enough to do it in silhouette, so we don't actually see yeah, it. True, true. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. But and he uh, fucking cuts he cuts Kevin's fucking limbs off. Slowly. Slowly yeah. and feeds them and to the, the wolf. And the still doesn't say, doesn't scream, doesn't no. barely budges. Yeah, and feeds him to the wolf, no and the wolf eats him, and Kevin just takes it. Doesn't doesn't ever scream once. Yep, yep. And which tough, you know, I re- I read it the first time, and I think well, that's just because Kevin's mute until Marv brings Kevin's remains to Rourke, and and Rourke's like he spoke only to me in the voice of an angel. Yeah, yep. As we uh, engage, that off. as we engaged in things that no man of the cloth, yes. such as yeah. it is, would. Uh, engaging but uh one of the funniest moments in the book is that um wendy and marv are are, uh sleeping in separate beds and they're they're just (laughs) waiting to get from point a to point b and she's all you know she got the lingerie on and she's she's uh, she's arcing her back in bed and uh, she's sleeping and he's looking at like he's looking at her (laughs) To the, the side eyes. of her eyes, and it's like you are an overgrown Charlie Brown. You really are. But well, he tries to make a move though, and she's yeah, like, hey, 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 yeah, smack. Oh, sorry, must so, have got confused. Confused, yeah. And yeah. head over to Nancy's, and Nancy has some brewskis. Nancy had nipples waiting yep. for him. Yeah, good old Nancy. It's always Nancy. <laughs> uh, so it's time to uh, accost the uh, Rourke compound. And if you thought that the virtuoso performance was the bricks or the rain or the tiles, you ain't seen nothing until you got this terracotta roof going on. That is gorgeous. And that's op art. That is 100% optical art, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and Frank just doesn't do the shadows. Like, he varies the thickness of the shadows based on the angle of the light hitting them. So you'll have, uh, or, or you know, the perspective of the roof. You'll have a thin shadow at the the proximity, and as the roof tips back, the shadows get thicker and wider. It's amazing. It's just amazing work. Um, but uh, he gets in. The, the defenses are really nothing, and he uh, confronts Rourke, uh, shows him the head. Rourke doesn't, Rourke doesn't take it too... Uh, too well um and tries to weasel his way out of it by uh attributing some kind of a higher power to the whole thing you know and he's he's cradling the head like a fucking teddy bear like if somebody gave me a head i'd be like put that over there i'm not he's he loved kevin so much had such a weird he's such a short troll of a man yeah yeah Yeah, definitely a little little disgusting little Creature of a man. That's a little bit of foreshadowing, though, because you get to see another character of those proportions in that yellow bastard. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure Frank didn't even have the germ of the idea, maybe uh, as this was going on. But you know, aesthetics. It's 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 a continuation of the theme, right? But <laughs> wow, um, he takes his time, and there's a lot of screaming, and uh, Rourke is dispatched, but. As our justice system will do, I mean, the, the the police get Marv, and he's nursed back to health, only for them to, um, uh, I mean, the truth doesn't really matter. They they needed somebody on which to pin this, and it wouldn't have been Rourke because he was far too high up the the chain of command. So it had to be a patsy, and Marv initially was a patsy, and he's a patsy at the end too. 
So the, the trial is a joke, and Marv doesn't try and convince anyone otherwise. He's put it in an electric chair, but not before getting a visit from Wendy. Where? Who it, lets, yeah. Who lets him call her Goldie. Yeah. A little conjugal so, visit. It's yeah. it's it's bookends, right? The, the uh, it started this way and it ends this way. What um, the whole Marv talking about them keeping him alive just so that you know somebody can pay the bill for all this, and and he refuses to sign a confession, and and he's not you know mums the words that keep his mouth shut, let you know let the right people burn until the sniveling little shit of a DA comes in and turns the recorder off and says, if Marv doesn't sign the confession, they'll kill his mother. Which, you know, yeah, I get it. Um, It's his mom. But I mean, yeah, the woman, she's she's up there. It's like you've you've been on this earth plenty. Right. But who's to say it's a life, right? But it's it's still Marv. It's his mom's. knew where this was going. Right. He's like, right. But, I mean, a, pra- a pragmatic man would say, well, you know what? She's 90. How, right. many, how many years does she have left? She can, she can barely see. Right. So it's, but but yeah, he he, he breaks my man's arm in, in, in three places, signs the confession, and then the the trial, complete circus, everything is, is nuts. He gets, he's going away for it all. And as been said, um, Wendy stops by. Uh, With the good goods. <laughs> as, as a nice steak for his last meal um and uh they uh they he, he doesn't even go on the first try they, they no they that's the him. best that that is the best <laughs> he's like is that the best I, do you pansy i totally but i'm knowing frank when i read this for the first time i totally expected it not to work the first time but the fact that he goes ah, that's the best you pansies can do you fuckers <laughs> And he, they they juice him so much, you get to see his his uh, skeleton skeleton. You get to see his skeleton structure. <laughs> and but if you look, he's got a halo. At the end. Yeah, yeah. And yep. he's just you know. I, I again, I'm probably reading too much into it. But um, one of the things that really impressed me back in the day, and still right now, is Frank's um, willingness to to give negative space a big old bear hug. Because there are there are multiple pages and panels in this where, you know, a, a, a less assured artist would say, "Well, I got to put this character in some kind of a setting or scene." Like it, it's the way it's done. But Frank, uh, uh, Marv jumping out of a window or the 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 lecture chair at the end. Like there's there are many panels where it's just Frank allowing the white space to work for him. Yes. Yep. And it's it's the sign of a of an experienced um, artistic craftsman, right? It's incredible. Someone who knows the rules. It's yeah. wonderful. It's wonderful. The, uh, and and at the um, the end of it, apparently, this was only supposed to be a forty-eight page story. Yeah, yeah. Come on, and, Frank. Uh, and he says that uh, mm-hmm. Mar started bossing him around, and 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 it got away from him. Uh, but then he does say that. Um, uh, 13-month run. Uh, Sin City is the first of a projected series of graphic stories. I can't wait to get drawn. 
Wow. You okay? So you you're reading. Uh, my version is, I think. Let me see. Uh, twenty. This was actually published last year. Oh. Yes, and um, mine has a bunch of uh, tributes, covers, or nope. you know, images in the back. There, there, there's a bunch of um, process images or images that were used elsewhere. One of them has a, a psychotic-looking nun. Yeah, I've got that. I've got Marv in the electric chair. Uh, I've got the nun. I have uh, Marv looking like a gangster. And like very yeah. svelte, very thin. Yeah. But oh, then a, I have an Amanda. Let's see. There's Joyce Chin, Amanda Connor, Klaus Janssen, no. with one of the best images that I've ever seen Janssen create. And it was done in 21. So maybe there is hope. Uh, the. <laughs> The, Con- the the Connor is not the greatest image. The back of the back of my book, uh, since City is the play- first of all, it's got a photo by Lynn Varley of of a skinny Frank in a trench coat. Love that like, photo. Love it. It's like he's in front of a church window or something, but Love without it. without the stained glass. Yeah. Um, since City is the place, tough as leather, dry as tinder, loves the fuel and violent. Marv has the match. Watch it burn. Uh, and then on the back, next to the barcode, all written out, 15 bucks U.S., 18 bucks Canada. Wow. Uh, in addition to the artist I mentioned, there's a Paul Pope image, a uh, Gerardo Zaffino, and a Philip Tan. <laughs> the Philip Tan is magnificent. You want to eat it. For it's you. so beautiful. For you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, that's a. It's just a great book. Um, I'm glad we did it again. I mean, I, I don't need an excuse to read Frank. No, no. But, I um, this. What and if I watch, if I watch any old noir, if I'm you know kicking back with with with, with Cliff Lewis and we're having a great old time, and and we're watching some PI, some detective, uh, some gumshoe talking. To, to the audience it's he's he's talking to the audience it's like you know breaking the fourth wall he's telling you the story i'm reading sin city and marv is you know telling you about all the people and the places and i don't i'm not reading it because marv is nuts i'm not reading it in the sense that marv is is talking to the reader i think i just think that this is marv's routine he's just he knows all this already so he's just going he's just repeating it he's he's telling this to himself and it's it has nothing to do with the story. It's not intentional. I'm sure that's not what Frank had in mind, but it's just because of who Marv is and because of the meds and because, as, as Jason pointed out, he's, he's psychotic, that that's just, that's how Marv just has to kind of be in the moment and, and just, because yeah. he knows this. He knows Basin City. This is, you know, this is his life. And uh, yes, we're, we get the benefit of reading along because he's telling it to us but i don't i don't read this as him telling it to us he's reminding himself i like the fact that um the og name for sin city is basin city a basin is basically a catch-all it's a it's a pit right and that that's perfect but i love stories that feature an unreliable narrator one and it's not it's not full force here like marv is unreliable to the to the uh, point where sometimes he gets confused and what he's saying isn't r- 
tied to reality. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I've read stories where the narrator just flat out lies to the reader. If the internal if, monologue if, is filled with inaccuracies and just flat out lies, I love that approach. If Marv was just, if Marv was in front of you telling you this story, he would be. It, you would know, you wouldn't know, but because we have the visuals, like if he just says, yeah, and Goldie ran me over after she died. No, but because we have the visuals, we see that we, we see what actually happened. We know that that actually isn't Goldie. Right. But for right. Marv, that was Goldie. And he's not, he may not be intentionally lying, but like you said, Vince, he's like, he's just, he's unreliable. He's confused. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the best is when your narrator is lying and other characters within the sequence alert you to the fact that the narrator is yes. lying that's just gravy that's the, yeah. so tasty when an art when a, a writer does that but uh all right love it complete gold since city volume one the hard goodbye by the uh man of the cloth frank miller <laughs> If you enjoyed this, well, we have another book of the month coming for you next month. And if you would like to be in on the the suggesting process for the book of the month, you guys can be really convincing. So we love it. Uh, Head on over to patreon.com, sign up, and you can be among the teeming throngs of people throwing suggestions at us. Uh, It's going to be nice to have our fate decided by someone other than ourselves next month. It's true. Yeah. Um, and, oh, and if you want more of this, go to Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, and Instagram. Um, it's mostly happening on the Slack, though, which is part of the, the Patreon. But so, in your, in your travels, hey, busy week. But I did manage to pick up previews. And uh, there are a number of things I would like to tell you about, but I'm not going to because this is in your travels. So I will uh, limit it to one. And it is from, Jason's going to go, Le Surprise. It's from Dynamite, but it's not a typical Dynamite book. Uh, Obviously, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the legal system, they can't use the character's name in the title of the book. I don't know why that is. The Burroughs estate must must have some kind of lockdown on using the the name. But uh, it's Tarzan. But it's not called Tarzan. At least the book's not called Tarzan. It's called Lord of the Jungle, number one. It's in this previews, which is number 408 for September. Um, it's written by Dan Jurgens. Amazing, right? We've all have um, extensive history with the writing of Dan and art of Dan Jurgens. Superman uh, being the pinnacle, in my opinion. But... Um, it's drawn by Benito Gallego, and there are, which is odd for Dynamite, there are preview pages. And if you don't see Big John Basima in these pages, well, then you don't have much experience with Big John Basima because these you would swear that John drew these. Um, okay, yeah, mine. You piquing my interest? Yep, yep, yep. Well, get your book out. These these pages are magnificent. They're amazing. They're old school. This mission Lee Weeks cover, right? Uh, there is a Lee Weeks cover. Yeah, there's. Let me see. There's Lee Weeks. Oh, let me go. There's uh, Rob De La Torre, which is a really nice cover. The Lee Weeks stands out. There's a Dan Pinosian color. Oh, Pinosian, and then there's a Josh Burns. I don't. No, it's, it, it's not bad. 
but uh, when you're when you're in a room with Pinojian and Lee Weeks and uh, De La Torre, I mean, come on. Uh, and then there's a Gary Frank cover. Weird. Which ain't all that great. It's all right. Okay. It's okay. But mm-hmm. the, 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 the meat of this suggestion is the Benito Gallego pages. Holy crap. They're gorgeous. They're, they're Big John lives. I mean, this guy's just incredible. Uh, to the point where there's a scarred ape. And I'm telling you, like it, the spirit of of John is just so alive in these pages. I I will take this. I will buy it. I will read it, and I will love it. So it's uh, Lord of the Jungle number one, coming from Dynamite. Uh, Dan Jurgens, Benito Gallego, get it because it's not the last time you're going to be hearing about this book. Done. Okay. Uh in your travels uh make sure you get the to kickstarter tomorrow dang it took mine yeah oh right it's tomorrow well it's, it's as they're listening to this it's today yes so okay, okay. So there's september 1st yeah. thursday september 1st get yourself to kickstarter and make sure you back tales to enlighten the new testament by matt king and a whole bunch of folks of course 30 yeah. indie arts lots 550 pages um it is heavy and thick and i cannot wait there is um there's i there's yeah i this some of the images we've seen so far have just blown me away your favorite serial killers are back at it again um and yeah that's that's i i cannot wait to back it, get my mitts on it, um, and that's really uh, all I got. Because I, I, I did read for Vince. I read Chris the Chosen Volume One. We can talk about that later. But um, just give me a clue. Yay or nay? Big time yay. Yeah, hundred percent yay. I got gotcha. you. Uh, and I because a couple other things I read. Are necessarily free to travel. They're just things that I'll um, talk about next week. But yeah, uh, the, the Tales to Enlighten was was the big thing that I wanted to make sure at least one of us reminded you all about. Yeah, good work on that. Um, for, fortunately, because uh, I'm a pro, I had uh, more than Damn one right. thing to talk about. Because I didn't want to just mention the Kickstarter. But uh, no, I actually had some fun <laughs> uh, this week. Um, it had, I had a few piled up, so I, I opened up the packages and dove in and had a wonderful time catching up on our good friend, Mr. Cam Hathaway's Cluster Fox Comics, issues three and four. Uh, we've talked about the prior uh, uh I need four. Issue. Okay, yeah. So four is like, oh, so I was going to say, so three and four. Um, uh, four is massive. It's, it's actually um, square bound. So it's almost like a, a soft cover giant like trade, um, and uh, but but for those that don't remember us mentioning the prior issues, um, uh, Cam started in, during the pandemic. He he made he wanted to make a creator owned comic just uh, to scratch that itch, and got some other collaborators to do a little anthology. And it I thought it we all thought it came out really well. Yep. And he's kept the momentum going to the point now where. Um, 
the third issue was uh, 46 pages, and the fourth issue is, hold on, let me look, 137 pages. Um, and it's great because there have been a bunch of creators who have uh, come in and done repeats, but then every issue has had new faces as well. Um, and it's, I think it's everything like it's, 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 it's on many levels, just a love letter to indie comics in its, its purest form. It, these are range from, from one page site gag stories to or images to, um, especially in the fourth volume, which is by design larger because Cam wanted to have some runway for people to tell longer form stories to, you know, 10, 12 page stories, um, that, uh, uh, are just wildly creative and 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 um, I just think they're everything I want to see in an anthology. You know, just uh, reminds me a lot of of, of when our booze were doing the the EOC anthologies and um, you know, look, I mean, uh, this is indie comics. There there are people here that are, are letting their work shine and be seen for the first time ever uh, to a broader audience. And um, you know, the visuals sometimes are very raw. Sometimes they're uh, really sort of expressive and and uh, and challenging, but I think that's that's the charm of it, and um, uh, I just love every bit of it. I, I love the way that uh, that uh, Cam keeps pushing the format of it. He's got an awesome little like opening letter in each each one, talking about like the impetus for this and the newcomers and the uh, the themes, and it's just definitely worth your attention if you're at all into creator owned indie comics, which I know a lot of you are, because um, you know certainly that's a that's a that is a uh, a subgenre of the of the of the world that we consider ourselves a part of as well. Yeah. So um, if if you if you were unaware of this to this point and did not know that they exist, you can get them. Um, you can go to um, um, Cam's Comic Corner or dot com, or you can go to Cluster Fox Comics uh, on Instagram. Um, Better spell the, that for them. Yeah, it's 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 C L U S T E R F U X C O M I X. So uh, instead of CKS, it's an X, and yeah, of, so. But Cluster Fucks Comics, and uh, the third issue was uh, eight dollar cover price, and the fourth issue was ten dollars. But again, you're getting 140 pages in the ten dollar yes. one, so yeah, well worth it. Well worth it. I love the fact that he has an open door policy. Absolutely. Where yeah. as, as an editor, sometimes they can be a little heavy handed. Where you know, if you don't walk like we do or talk like we do. Uh, you ain't getting in. Well, Cam seems to have swung the doors open. It's like, yeah, come on in. You you yeah. want to make art? Come on in and have some fun with us. And so, like Jason said, you get a range of styles and abilities that um, I think is amazingly refreshing because uh, I I don't impose any kind of uh, any of my will on the art. Uh, art, the art is what it is, and I take it as it is, right? So you'll have guys in here that are very detailed or very uh, outre or extreme. Some guys look like outsider artists, which is friggin' okay by me. I just love yeah. that there's all different styles, all different approaches, and it's all under one cover. So Oh, and I wanted to mention, um, I, I almost forgot, that in the latest, the fourth volume, there is a long-form story by none other than Mr. Anthony Ayupi. I hope I'm saying his name right, because I don't... Oh, uh, he's so but, good. But he's, uh, you know, he's a patron now. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I think, I hope we shouted him out, but a few months ago, he joined the, the Patreon. He doesn't pop in very often, but I'm, I appreciate him when he does, and, and I, I love he, that he supports us. 
But uh, but this story, the Devil's Child, that he did is fucking dark, dude. Like <laughs> my man Anthony's got some 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 things he's working through. Let me it's put the it that way, way to do it. Way to do yeah. it. He puts pages up all the time. What are you talking about? He shows he his art. Oh yeah. Oh no, he shows his art. I mean, but yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying like recently he was in some discussions. And I, I, you know me, I'd love to see everybody in in the, the Slack every day. Because yeah, well, number one, it's like you know I, they're paying for it, so I want to make sure they're getting their money's worth. And two, uh, you know, I like the conversation, but uh, right. but I have to I remind myself that other, that some people don't uh, have the, the you know for them it's popping in every now and then is, is all they they want and need. Right. I just wish you did more than just like hey, how about this beat, yo, putting this 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 song up and then you just bail like for days and we don't see it yeah whatever who me <laughs> Jesus. who me but you know what jason was a nervous nelly speaking of the the slack he was a nervous nelly tonight and he's like yo we we're kind of busy this week so if y'all got any kind of questions for us we would appreciate it and as usual the the patron stepped up and they just dropped a bunch of questions on us some of them related to frank and and sin city uh, a lot of them not so i think we should cull the ones that aren't because i oddly enough i think we covered a lot of the questions that were asked yeah i was going to say i i didn't i, I was i guess fortunately uh, a lot of the the sin city related questions we did cover in our conversation yeah. so but um, um there's good. some uh, obviously caleb always hits the freaking bullseye with a question and you know uh, but one, I want to just cover it right now because it's from Pete. And he said, uh, I just watched the Face Off movie and it's still a banger. Favorite Nicolas Cage movies? This is very, very easy for me. But um, if Wild at Heart was never made, Wild at Heart is my favorite Nick Cage movie because obviously it was directed by David Lynch. And it's a, just a freaking masterpiece. If Wild at Heart was never made, my favorite Nick Cage movie would definitely, without question, be Mandy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the cool things about Nick Cage is that he's had these uh, these these uh, uh, different phases of his career. Yep. You know, he was a uh, uh, romantic comedy guy, then he was Oscar guy, then he was action movie guy and then that kind of did him in he kind of like ran his course there and then like many of 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 these great actors from bygone times he he found new lease on life doing these really interesting indie flicks mandy being one of them yeah colorado Um, space is great too so yeah i um that's an interesting question i mean i I guess i i mean i guess i have to say he's i consider myself a Nicolas cage fan so I, i like a lot of his work but uh but um, I mean, adaptations great. Spike Jones flick. Uh, One of the his more recent ones I didn't like at all. It's like this post-apocalyptic thing. I didn't understand it. I thought the uh, probably. Uh, uh, you mean uh, pig? Well, I don't know. Maybe uh, it's where the, he's foraging for truffles and stuff. And no, 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 no. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the, uh, the the dialogue and the acting is so... He gets shot in the balls at once at one point. Um, the acting is so over the top that I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that it was done intentionally, but I'm not quite sure. It's just a strange, strange movie, and I maybe wasn't in the frame of mind when I watched it the first time. It's on Shudder. Um, it's just odd. Oh, Prisoners of the Ghostland? Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, that is just cute. a weird, strange... I don't know how to take this movie, which is good, but yeah, I mean, again, I probably 
But um, I mean, Raising Arizona certainly. I, I mean, it's Coen Brothers. I love. Oh it. yeah, yeah that good might, movie. That might I think he won the Academy Award for that, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah. Uh, but he Nicholas Cage doesn't shiv. He he doesn't care anymore. Like he cares obviously about his career and his per- the perception of his career, but he doesn't care about the the magnitude of the role. Like he'll take anything now. Yeah. And he's very good in everything. I, I, I it just amazes me. It's like um, Neil Young releasing Harvest Moon after so many decades of making music. Like, how did this guy produce a masterpiece this late in his career? Mandy, I, it just boggles my mind how good that movie is and how amazing Nick Cage is in the movie. Like, it's a revelation. Like, I never, I, I would think of Nick Cage as you know he's Sailor from Wild at Heart and a bunch of other movies that. I watched that were okay, but when Mandy came out, and I just to see how over the top he is in that movie, and just how driven, Mandy's a freaking amazing movie. I think I've watched that movie about sixty times. Not kidding. Not kidding. I've only seen it the once. I, I it is. It's it's a good movie. I I'm surprised. I mean, going over going over his list, his resume. Um, I. I can't believe how many Nick Cage movies I actually saw in the theater when they were coming out. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, I, I'm looking at it too. Like, I, I've seen almost everything he's ever done, I think. <laughs> Eight Millimeter, Snake Eye, City of Angels, To Face Off, Connie, or The Rock. Uh, Kiss of Death was hilarious because he's, he's supposed to be like, you know, some big buff uh, wannabe gangster dude, and, and he's over here like weightlifting one of the waitresses. But uh, I do, yeah, I think I, my favorite. I think would have to be um, Raising Arizona, although I thought he was fantastic as, as Spider-Man Noir in Into the Spider-Verse. Talk about a weird cut. Peggy Sue got married. How many people would remember that that was directed by Francis Ford Coppola, dude? Like, talk about a film that does not fit in the rest of his, his film category. Coppola's film category. Like Peggy Sue got married, Alley Girl. I just, he's, I, yeah, I, it's the, the, the main For those who don't know, Nicholas Cage is, uh, is 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 Coppola's nephew? That's no wonderful. no no love for Wild at Heart. I do not. Uh, I, I I don't think I've seen it actually. I remember honestly. seeing it like when I was young. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't remember disliking it, but I don't remember it that well. No oh, man. Yeah, Sa- I need to see it. Sailor and Lulu, man. When when Laura Dern says. And she don't know what she's missing. Like, oh my god, that movie! And it, it's David Lynch, so Harry Dean Stanton's in it. Sherilyn Fenn, yeah. Jack mm-hmm. Nance. Like, it's it's almost a Twin Peaks reunion. David Patrick Kelly's in it. Um, Isabella Rossellini. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I knew she was in it. Yeah, yeah. It's a great movie, but again, not for everyone. <laughs> sure. Grace Zabriskie's in it too. Laura's mom. It's it's a wonderful film. I don't know if wonderful is the word you could use, but it, it, it's a great movie. All right, bitches. Hey, thanks for being here with us one more time around. Come back next time. We'll be here waiting for you because we never miss a week. Remember that. Never, ever. 812 never, weeks. Never, never. And we've never missed one. Oh. Hashtag facts. Yep. Yeah. So uh, go out, read some comics. See some movies, watch some TV, eat some food, love your people, and say goodnight. (laughs) Jeez.
Jesus. It's a post-it notepad. <laughs> is it, though? It, it, no, what do you think it is? <laughs> David. Good night. Okay, Thor. Jesus. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna screw up. He's gonna screw up. I think you're going too long, David. No, yeah, we're playing with your post-it notes. So that's nah, just... I think you went too long. You can think it. It's fine. You screwed up. You're, you're you're free to think it. Tell them about the love. So much of it. Right. All of it. All kinds. Just overflowing. All, All right. up and out of it. Don't over, don't overstay your welcome. Every every orifice. Just... <laughs> we're out of here. We are uh, polyamorous. To you. I stay. It's true. Bye. Don't make it so comfortable. That's it for that one. <laughs>